rise and shine. Good, it's go time on a Friday morning. It's a Green for Life Friday. Welcome aboard. Get you into the weekend here with four hours that will be faster than you would think four hours would fly by. That's the goal. That's the mission as we uh, get started today with news in air quotes. Right? Sometimes when you get, quote, news this time of year, it's really not news at all. And yesterday, the Jacksonville Jaguars just laid down the insurance policy of what is not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal, I I believe, is to get Evan Ingram for a longer period of time than just one year. But if they cannot get down that path to an agreement long term, it's at least now guaranteed the Jags will have Evan Ingram back next year. Again, I... This is no different than if they just extended for a little bit, but we'll see. And look, we we were referencing one of the columns, one of the off-season columns earlier in the week, and it was suggested, was it Bill Barnwell maybe at ESPN, that signing Evan Ingram to the franchise for one year is the best course of action. See it one more year before you commit long-term uh, there seems to be a lot of mutual love, though, between Evan Ingram and the football side of things downtown. So I, I would expect that the goal here remains uh, to be because, look, happy locker room, happy life, right? It was all rainbows and hugs and ice cream sundaes uh, last year with this group as they came together and won, uh, you know, arm in arm. And you get to the business financial part of things and that can occasionally creep into that 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 vibe, uh, so to speak. So we shall see as far as that goes. But again, that's projecting that a longer-term deal doesn't get done. And I still think that would probably be um, what the goal is, right? I mean, Evan Ingram showed enough last year to, to make sure you have him for the next three. I mean, that's what you're deciding. It, it's, you know, you want to make sure you keep a cat like this? I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully last year is just the start. You know, tight ends catch catch it 90 times for over 1,000 yards in this league. They do it a lot. It'll be interesting to see what the Jaguars do on the um, uh, personnel side when it comes to the draft. And tight end certainly seems to be a position that could be in play at number 24. But you know what else could be in play? An impact defender. And so we will, uh, we, we're reminded of these names. These names come uh, at us in headlines because of the combine numbers that they post not that oh boy this guy posted that number let's get him but it just already it it puts a little bit more uh, notoriety maybe is the word because there were some standouts yesterday and I bring this up because the the edge guys and the d-line they ran yesterday did the three cone drill that position is going to be addressed. 100% of the guys you saw legging it down the 40 or scooting between the three-cone drill, he's a Jaguar. Maybe maybe a couple. I don't know which one. But the combine shows you who the best players in, in, you know, in the world are that are eligible for the NFL. And those are positions of need for the Jags. So... Whether it is a guy who caught your eye yesterday, became known to you because he posted some fascinating number, and in this case, it was that Kalajic Kansi from from Pittsburgh, who we've talked about on this show, a defensive 
a tackle, interior defensive lineman, just just was really good at the combine, opened eyes there, and then he ran a four six seven uh, forty yesterday that put him in um, rare territory. Two hundred eighty pounds, man, four six seven. It's the fastest time recorded by a defensive tackle since two thousand three. What does that mean? For- in the NFL, I mean, is my tackle going to be going 40 yards for any reason? Never. Even at 4.67, you'd be the fastest tackle out there. If that running back's past you, he you, gone. you can trail him for 40. <laughs> One of the corners or linebackers better breeze past you, right? It's still, though, a sign maybe of the overall um, athleticism because they're trying, trying to draw comparisons here with Aaron Donald, who also played at Pitt. And look, Cansey has matched Donald in, in some of the college stuff, but Donald was like the the outland or whatever goes to the top line, and he was a step even above. But at the combine, Donald ran .01 seconds slower um, than Cansey. Uh, overall athleticism score, I guess, is what the analytics can come up with. Uh, Aaron Donald was a 98, Cansey a 94. I, d- does something like that in combination with any conversations you have with a prospect can a kid like that jump all the way up and in, into the top you know the to the first round and the Jags picking low so is that a name that comes on your radar um we also had um more D linemen will will mention but when it came to the edge rushers Nolan Smith of Georgia Certainly going to be in play at 24, I would think. We heard Hayes Carline mention him yesterday when he gave us his com- uh, combine report from Indianapolis. Nolan Smith ran a 4.39 yesterday as an edge rusher. And I want to say I saw he weighed 254. Is that right? I, I got to I bet that one. I'm not, don't hold me to that one. But the fastest time among the edge rushers was Nolan Smith of Georgia. And uh, uh, he was. One, two, fourth, uh, third, and the broad jump. So in case there's ever a point in the game where the both teams are asked to come to a standstill and from two feet jump as far as they can, be in good shape. Um, so, yeah. there and, and then there were the, quote, combine kind of warriors, names that may not have been up there among those top prospects, yet they flash um, in some of these athleticism drills. The, the, the attention today will turn to... Um, the quarterbacks and the DBs. Nolan Smith, it says he weighed in at 238. 238, yeah. Good thing we vetted that. His 40, was, however, was faster than uh, Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins. Well, he really noted that. That's, that's really fast. Now, look, <laughs> I, I think uh, add that speed element to an edge rusher, but at 238, you get into the quarterback. He didn't have a ton of sacks at Georgia. The, uh, the Georgia stats are weird, man. I mean, these cats are coming into the league with just, you know, well-due accolades, playing at all SEC levels in some cases, although the guy we drafted never was. Not a lot of stats behind them, though. That's so weird. Isn't it? What did Nolan Smith do this last year at Georgia? Look that up for me. Please and thank you. But, yeah, Anthony Richardson, the rest of the quarterbacks get on the field today. The DBs get on the field. Uh, quarterback certainly is, um, you know, completely off the radar here. In fact, you're going to hear from C.J. Beathard back in the fold. Not so much on his role. We know what it is. Go, Trevor. Good pass. <laughs> Nolan, but, Nolan Smith had 14 solo tackles 
Okay, what about sacks? Uh, three sacks. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. I mean, we, we need a guy that's going to sack. We got plenty of solo tackle. His name's Foyo Aluka, and he gets 14 in a game. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's a different level now. It's a different league. It just doesn't translate. It's very odd. And and look, the the, the other tackle played uh, good for Philly this year, at least at times. I think he did. I think that was the uh, jo- Jordan, uh, Jordan da- Davis. Yeah, Jordan Davis. Yeah, yeah, he was a monster. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, we definitely need a step up from a guy who was a monster at this combine last year. That's that's Trayvon Walker. Maybe we'll get one. You know, with a year in NFL seasoning and playbook and expectations and uh, just growing into a, even a stronger young man. Maybe we get that flash. It'll certainly be. You know, there's a lot of interesting year two storylines in football for both college and 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 the NFL with our Jaguars and uh, well, in this case, uh, Billy Napier and the Gators. And we'll talk about the Gator program, the spring, uh, getting ready to. Start of spring, when I, by that I mean spring football practices. And Pat Dooley, who we um, missed connections with yesterday, set to join us today at 8 o'clock. So uh, we're going to head inside that, an important year, too, I think, for Billy Napier. And it's a really important year, too, for Trayvon Walker in particular, right? In particular, him. He's the number one pick in the draft. And started on a team that went to the playoffs, but... Really like to see that that ramp up, right? Let's, let's just ramp it up into the seven eight sack uh, territory, and hopefully, overall, this this Jaguars defense was was you know trend trending up. It didn't feel like it was necessarily trending up, but they did. Look, the Jets game, the Texans games, important games on the road. Defense showed up in both those games. The Titans game, they played great overall, and they forced the play at the end of the game that won. Uh, the second half of the Chargers game, they were outstanding. Chiefs, man, oh that ninety-something yard drive—it's—it's it's not sticking with everyone like it is me. Jags lost the game by a touchdown, right? Twenty-seven twenty. Final score in that game, Chiefs game, twenty-seven twenty, and we knocked Mahomes out of the game. It's late in the half, and and it, we let Chad Henney. Was it ninety-seven yards, ninety-three? The whole field. The whole field, man. That one just—that one eats at me like other big. In a lot of games, when you look back, you know, Miles Jack wasn't down. Or, you know, I I still remember the Patriots game, Dennis Northcutt, when they were undefeated that year, dropping a ball at the goal line near, at the end of the half would have given the Jags a lead. I, there, there are certain plays that stand out that define painful losses. And that one is just a drive, man. We let Chad Henney go the field. The drive. Oh, oof. That's a tough one. So we got plenty of NFL uh, chatter. Uh, to get to lots of news ar- around the league, it's a it's cool time of the year. Uh, the NFL has done a terrific job for capturing us almost almost twelve months. I mean these are these are interesting decisions. Um, teams are constantly going up and down, right? I mean, con- you just you just, I mean look at the Bucks, look at the Bucks were for all those years. They get Brady, whoop, they go way up to the top, and now zoom, they're about to go back down. It makes it even more impressive these regimes, Packers, Steelers. Nah, they're not winning the Super Bowl, but man, it seems like every year they're relevant at the end of your Ravens. Just uh, Chiefs now at this point almost you you would you would put in that category. It's just um I won't well, shoot. They haven't they been to the playoffs every year but one with Andy Reid? I think so. Uh anywho, plenty of NFL talk and uh, NFL news and notes as we uh, move along this morning as well. As I said, you're going to hear from uh, C.J. Beathard. More just on kind of the vibe of the team and 
you know, his role behind uh, Trevor Lawrence. You know, I, I think, don't you feel okay? I, I mean, I'm not talking about playing a half a season. C.J. Beathard is forced to come in and for half a game or for a game. I, I think they're in a good spot there. Yeah, I feel like he can do what needs to be done. Right. Okay, it's uh, no longer a sore foot off the hook. We'll just wish LeBron a speedy recovery. We appreciate that. I think they heard. I think I think they heard me. I think maybe that's what it is. Doc Murphy yesterday. I put him on the spot. I, you know, somebody somebody needs to show me an X-ray here. Sore foot and cut it for a team that has to win down the stretch here. Or man, they're not even going to make the, the postseason. Now the bad news when we learn that it's a quote tendon injury in the right foot is we're, we're now not even going to be reevaluated. For another three weeks. Season's over. Right? Lakers are 1-1 one one without LeBron. They lost to Memphis, and then they beat Oklahoma City. Also, by the way, without Anthony Davis. So, when LeBron said he uh, heard a pop, yeah, that was a tendon popping. Obviously, no surgery here. You just got to wait on the natural healing, and it seemed in talking to Doc Evan Murphy yesterday and through his expertise... That three weeks sounds about right. And then I guess we'll see where we are. I, I'm i not going to go to the trouble of tracking the next three weeks of games and seeing just how many, what that number is. I will say this. The Lakers, even in their current form, are, bunch, are, are, are bunched among six or eight teams that are all also vulnerable and sketch. I mean, you got a bunch of teams that are about 500. You know, any any of those groups that wins four in a row or loses four in a row is going to go up six spots one way or the other or down um, uh, six spots. I see Kyrie and uh, Luka finally worked well together last night. The The Mavs, God, they tried to blow again. They had a huge lead, and Philly came all the way back. But, uh, at, again, the NBA, you turn on a game, it takes you four minutes to process which team is which and where they're playing. I mean, watch a game and like you, one team is in the colors of, of what you would think would be the home team. The other, in this case, the Mavs are wearing blue that look like Philly. It took me a second to know who was who. But anyway, Kyrie and uh, Luca go for 82 last night. And we talked, they were what, one and four, was it? Yeah. So now uh, two and four. And you wonder where they fit now in these uh, power couplings that are going on in the West. That's probably uh, more than enough NBA talk. All right, we got golf talk today. Ah, my boy, Maddie. We got to have a hellacious rally in round two with the Puerto Rico Open. That's what we'll say about that. They're underway at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. It's really remarkable what what John Rahm is doing. This dude, every time he plays, is just top of the leaderboard or in contention. He's He's already set a record for winning three times the quickest in a calendar year, and now here he is positioned after round one at uh, Bay Hill, man, say what you want about the designated events or maybe say more about the events that are played that aren't the, quote, designated events. But when they do play these designated events, man, these guys that I'm about to mention to you would all qualify in the top five right now going into round two. John Rahm uh, leads. He's seven under. Uh, Cameron Young, a good young player. Xander Shoffley, Ricky Fowler, Patrick Cantlay, Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth. All within the top five, including ties. Dang it. That's a that's a 
the powerful pack of golfers right there playing for real-time ramifications and consequences, and it makes for really a really good golf watch. Oh, by the way, you're welcome for your YouTube guidance. I may not be in that at times cesspool of Twitter or wherever you go to vent, but I'll take a little scroll through YouTube. And so one of the things that I watch, I like watching these, uh, these, these cats do these golf channels. And they're just good golfers, but in most cases, all amateurs. And they just, you know, they play different courses and different matches and they have different celebrities play with them. And one of those, which, again, if that um, appeals to you, I would throw out Bob Does Sports on, on YouTube. And they do all these different golf things with the personalities. It's, it, I, I love it. To be honest with you, I love watching them. But anyway, like they played against Keegan Bradley. They played against Max Homa. And they're just three dudes. I got this dude, Fat Perez, who's the best golfer of them. And the other two are, you know, good golfers, nothing great, right? Well, anyway, right now, the the most recent, you know, little production they did, they play a round of golf with Christian Kirk. So if you want to take a look at that, you can first see the kind of channel I'm talking about. But secondly, Get a lot of insight. They talk a lot with Christian Kirk. It's fun to watch Kirk in that element. It's obvious that he loves golf. And I, you know, I'm talking about like a you know 40, 45 minute kind of uh, uh, look into eavesdrop into their golf match. And and you know, we know Christian Kirk loves golf. Heard the stories of him and Trevor even golfing together. Um, but you might find that interesting if you're out and about uh, out there. Uh, listen, we're gonna play whether or not today. Now. We've had some editorial discussions behind closed doors, uh, moderated by really a staff of people. And this is in no way meant to lodge an accusation in any form or fashion against anyone who's played, win or lose, whether or not. But we'll be instituting a minor modification to the whether or not policy when we do queue it up later, you don't have to call right now. We're going to do Captain Kev, and then we'll see where we are. I've got it at my disposal. But just a minor modification. You're going to get your two cities, and then you're going to boom answer. Boom, that's it. Like boom. Like if I say, hey, E.T., red or blue? Blue. Hey, E.T., hot or cold? Hot, sir. <laughs> I will give you... A click longer than ETK. <laughs> I'll give you a click longer. But that's what we're doing here. It's not meant to further your meteorological degree. It's meant to be a fun guessing game and fulfill initially our obligation under FCC rules to put at least six or eight minutes of weather into any kind of broadcast you watch or listen to. And we're not playing right now. Yeah. You don't got a call. I'll give you a second. We're not, hum, hum, you know, tick, tick, uh-uh. I will give you an example myself of what I will expect as the host since I will have the itchy trigger finger. It'll go something like this. I will say what I'm going to say, and then I'm going to now. What if you're not reenacting? What if you're like pro-enacting? I'm going to act how you are going to have to answer to win whether or not. Ready? I'm going to go red or blue. Red. That's how long you get. Hot or cold? Cold. That's how long you get. St. Louis or Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh. That's how we're playing. 
again, it, after advisement, after a meeting of the Council of Elders, that's what we've, the Council of Meteorologists, that's what we've come up with. All right, let's talk oceanography, huh? Through the lens of Captain Kevin Favor, let's uh, catch up with the cap and um, see what's happening out on those waterways. I did get out last week. I finally did. I hope he's not listening yet, I'm sure. I did get out, though, and so I'm going to ask him, you know, true or false, I actually did go last week. Of course, he's going to know by me asking that that I'm propping up the fact that I did. But nonetheless, the budding friendship with Captain Kevin Favor continues as we get you up and going here. It's a GFL Friday. Thanks so much for being up and Adam with us. Now, Captain Kevin Favor's fishing report brought to you by Tire Outlet. Wholesale prices, premium service on 1010XL. All right, let's bring in the uh, man, the myth, the legend. Captain Kevin Favor. Uh, I, I heard a rumor. What's that, buddy? I heard a rumor you went fishing last weekend. <laughs> yeah. Huh? You just get a text or? <laughs> I spilled I'm the, I spilled the beans. He was listening. He was I, on the I'm way. Listening. I was hoping I caught you maybe at home. You hadn't gone yet. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. And? Yeah. 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 Boy, I tell you, um, I, I will say this: the the guys that were, you know, anybody who was fishing anywhere near, you know, we, I look, I listen. I could spend every morning there if I didn't get a bite. First, I would say that, right? Especially because right. I was itching to get out there. I mean, I caught three or four, so it wasn't like it was like total skunk. But really, only right. one would have been a keeper whiting. Um, mm-hmm. another small whiting or two. And then I guess we were catching, are they small bluefish we were catching? What is that fish yes. that, yeah, that's what yep. I, that's what I guess that was. Now we did have, now there were some, it was packed, man. I'm talking three quarters of a mile, man. We're almost, you know, shoulder to shoulder would be yeah. an exaggeration, but a ton of people and they were, you know, we were, everyone was pulling one in here or there, but they were having some luck on the backside. And, and I never walked down and saw what it was. So I'm glad that this come, this came up because I was curious. They're catching a fish Kev, that looks like it's too silverish to be a redfish and too big to be a whiting, unless the bull whitings out there are that big. So what, what do you think they were catching? So, so right now, um, we have in the surf, what is called a Northern Kingfish. Um, and it's just, it's an oversized whiting. Okay. Because they're keeping um, it, so I'm assuming that you know. I knew it was a it was a keeper fish, but it yeah. looked big from where you know we're we're down they're, the beach a little they're, bit. They're, 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 we have them this here this time of year, and, and the, if you the, the the easiest way to identify it is it's whiting with teeth. Okay, but still but that, that same kind of a sucker mouth and the same same body same, style. Same same thing, but they're I mean they're, it's it's not uncommon to catch them to 19 to 20 inches. Oh no! These were like I I I didn't know maybe yeah. it was if there, it was a trout. I mean I'm flying blind here. Yeah. I don't I didn't know what it could have been because like yeah. I said, you know my buddy thinks maybe it's redfish. It was just you know, it wasn't red enough to be a redfish, right? You could tell from that. Yeah, it looked like a big one. Yeah, but I, I, but I, I will t- I will tell you this: when the water's pretty, uh-huh. um, a redfish in the surf is almost white. Yeah, I got to see him get it out of the water, yeah. carry it, take it all. You know, yeah. even no, from a it's, it's even probably it's probably like I said, northern kingfish, That's, which is yeah, it's, it's a whiting, but it's but it's it's um, it's they're only here during during, during the cold water, and they're migrating back up north right now. Yeah, I you know it's yeah. funny. I watch you know again back on YouTube, but I watch a, a like a surf fishing kind of channel, a fishing channel from out on the Panhandle, and they'll catch both species of whiting more often than we right. do. 
Yes, that's exactly right. And they identify it as you did, northern kingfish. And then is it the, is a whiting a southern kingfish? It is. Yeah, that's what it would be called. Yep, it yeah, is. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it was fun. Though. I enjoyed. it. I was a little disappointed we didn't have a little more action, but um, um, you know, like I said, it wasn't one skunksville, but it was a beautiful day. There was no reason not to catch fish. It was beautiful. Yeah. Um. It's uh, it's it's been a crazy week. Um. I mean, like like. We talked about this on the forecast show last night. Um, we have gone from <laughs> uh, winter to spring, like 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 overnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big drum showed up on the beach this week, which this this is three weeks ahead of time. Um, generally speaking, I mean, and I and I you know I've, I I I keep um, pretty good records each year. Um, but the cool thing about your phone now is when you take. A picture of a great catch or something like that. You keep it on your phone, and and so for 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 me, it's it's always been like the last seven days of March is when I've had my best luck on the big black drum and the surf and stuff like that, and it just crushed them this week. I mean, um, this is crazy. They're catching cobia on rays on the beach. And when so, you say on the beach, you're talking like, oh, like I'm talking, you know, for just generally speaking, couple hundred yards, um, forty feet of water. Okay, which is which is about a half a mile. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which that is way early. As a matter of fact, it's the earliest I've ever seen it. Well, yeah, that's uh, been never, we've, we keep you know we've had um, yep. tarpon later than we've ever. I mean, it's just been a yeah, uh, absolutely. There's 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 pogies on the beach. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's been a, it's been a crazy week, uh, you know, and then today the wind is supposed to, is supposed to blow, but then it's supposed to just back off tomorrow. You got the El Chico Sheepshead Tournament tomorrow. Um, so the, I think that they're going to have, they're going to have great weather, which is good for them because it, it, the weather usually is, is awful for that tournament. I mean, they've, they've just had, they've had the worst luck, um, over the years of, of bad weather, but I think they're going to get some really pretty weather tomorrow. Um, they're calling for west at, at ten to fifteen, and, and the high of like seventy five. So, but it is it's supposed to blow like thirty miles an hour today. I mean, today today everybody canceled today. No, no. Yeah. I mean, there's very few people even inshore fishing. But when we get back to the pretty weather, um, man, it's time. It it, 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 it it's like happened overnight, Jeff. But um, water temperature. We got into the seventies this week. I was about to ask you what the water temperature is, and for yep. the sheep's head, does that affect? Does that affect the it bite? Does. Yeah, it, it's it, more it of a cold weather does. bite, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They, uh, you know, I, I've I've asked you know Captain Kirk this because he's kind of the the sheep's head guru on the on the outdoor show, and he's like, you know, he he prefers it anywhere from fifty nine to sixty three, and most of those guys are going to be fishing in, in high sixty degrees of, of, of water. So I don't know. Um, but but I will tell you this: they've 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 had a hell of a week out of St. Augustine on the sheephead. I mean, it's just been a it's been a great week of fishing, and um, it's going to be good this weekend. And and I, I see some cold weather like next week. When I say cold weather, it's going to be in the in the forties and stuff, and it, it it'll you know it'll back it off a little bit. But um, how much would it, well, how big, much would the water temperature go? Will it go back down like to the mid sixties or no? Yes. Oh, it will. Because yeah, in it, like it, it, mid sixties, like the sweet spot for surf fishing. It is. I yeah. mean, the, the mid sixties is fine. Yeah. It's fine. You know, it's the it's the fifties that hurt you. Yeah. Um, but but it's um, 
like I said, I, I have never heard of people catching Kobe on the beach on oh, rays crazy. this this time of year. Uh, it's it's just it's way early. I mean, well, so. did they stumble? I mean, you just stumble across it. You're going along and you notice them. You, yeah, and, and, and you can see them breach from yeah. the, from the beach. I got you. you. Know, so so I'm you know. Hell, you know how it is now. I, you know, social media and everything else. Hey, I think I saw a ray jumping it, and all of a sudden, somebody's like, "Well, hell, well, I got tomorrow off. I'll ride down there." And, 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 and you know and what? Lo and behold, and you know what? You Kev, know? T- tell them about the Kobe. Re- I mean, a lot of people may know what the heck we're talking about—the Ray Kobe relationship. Like when you see that yeah. Ray, what it means? It, it, exactly. So, so a, a, a um um a manta ray is is obviously it's huge. It's massive, you know, three, four, five thousand pounds, and they're, you know, sometimes sixteen feet across, and 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 the Kobe will hang out with them because when they, whenever they go down the bottom and stuff, they stir up crabs, and shrimp, and, and and stuff like that. So they they those 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 cobia will, will hang around those rays, and when you find a ray, um, you you know you you pull up to it very quietly. Don't disturb it and run over the top of it and stuff like that um but and and and, and look around the ray and see if there's copious woman and uh, the the best just real quick the the best way to fish those rays is 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 simply for the fact that cajun thunder with about two feet of leader and a four or five aught hook with with no weight mm-hmm. and that way whenever you throw on top of the ray you 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 don't have the tendency to 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 hook the ray. I gotcha. Well, yeah, yep. that's it. It's, a lot of people do it. Sight fishing, you call it, right? Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's total, it's total sight fishing. All right, uh, you're going to get double duty next week. We'll get you real quick Thursday morning. We'll start the bait bet. Yes, that didn't go absolutely. well. Absolutely, that didn't go well for me last year, as usual it no, seems. But anyway, no, no, no. Last seven or eight years, it's been it's settle been, down. It's been embarrassing. Now, yeah. okay, now it's on. I'll talk to you. <laughs> I'll talk to you on Thursday. <laughs> uh, hey, just a uh, just a reminder. Uh, tomorrow, uh, traditionally, uh, the outdoor show will be at Consignment Boat Sale. Okay. In 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 Mayport, uh, doing live remote right next to uh, the El Chipo. So we're, we're going to have fun. All right, sounds good. Got uh, the the gang all there, and you can listen to Kev or show up and visit him. All right, Kev, appreciate it. Have a great weekend, man. Have a good week. All right, good, buddy. There See he you. goes. He was listening. Et. He was listening. Oh, for real. That's another listener for us. Can we put that on the tally, the official uh, Arbitron ratings? I don't even know who the ratings are with. Um, so there's that. Yeah, the reminder. Yeah, it's a painful. I'm sorry, gang. I didn't mean to bring it up. I didn't mean to bring it up. I just, the defensive tackles and the edge guys and the linebackers were working out yesterday. I'm sorry that they were working out. I had to remind you that we needed to get better. And, and the painful reminder for me or the example is, and I'm now given the official number. 99 yards, Chad Henney took them. 99 yards. Uh, more from the Texan Design by Lifetime Enclosures. Without the Chad Henney, quote, drive, Jags could have been in the AFC Championship game. Take best interior D lineman in the draft, in my opinion. Uh, more. Yeah, that one does still sting. Got to be Henney's longest career drive, I bet. I think that maybe... I think Kenny may have had a 99-yard touchdown pass. Oh, quick check here. I want to handle this one myself. How about longest TD pass NFL? Just, well, again, curtains peeled back. I don't care. I'm just looking it up for y'all. 
10 longest passes in, uh, let's see, 99 occurrences, and boom. Here we go. What do we got? Um, let's keep it uh, somewhat current with people you may know. Uh, Brett Favre did it. Hit Robert Book, uh, Brooks in 1995. Uh, let's see. Tom Brady uh, had a 99-yarder. That one was against uh, the Dolphins, so no, Henny's not going to be on here. Eli Manning had one. There hadn't been many, man. There's a few back in the day. He had one in 1939, and then a long drought. Had another one in 1963, you know, 66, 68. Sonny Jurgensen, there's a the name. Jim Plunkett, a former number one pick in the draft, had one in 1983. Ron Jaworski. Polish rifle, they called him. I don't know if they call him that anymore, but that was Ron Jaworski with Philadelphia. He had Mike Quick. I remember that game. That was against the, yeah, it was against the Falcons. That was in overtime. Hit him 90, 99 yards. He got him backed up in OT. And Atlanta was good then. They were a contender. Oh, sheesh. But I got more painful memories. Uh, well, put Chad Henney's 99-yard, not touchdown pass, but drive in a very painful spot. Let's, let's do that. Let's, it's go time. The new modified, slightly altered uh, whether or not. We'll put together a prize pack for you. Prize pack TBA. How about that one? TBD. I like it. We'll figure it out. We got some cool stuff around here. We'll throw something together for you, and we'll have a little fun together here as we get up and going on a Green for Life Friday. So if you want to play weather or not and subject yourself to the possible mind freak, then you could just call 641-1010, and we'll be back with more next. A hearty foursome of combatants have answered the challenge. Listen, man, don't be accusing us of anything. Give me your cities. Stop playing with it. I got your answers. Whether or not a four-time winner at the Drillies. Freaky, freaky. Yeah. That's how we roll. It's a real simple game. I'm going to give you two American cities, ask you which will be hotter or colder today. You, in turn, are going to try to give me the right answer. It's going to go something like this. Which of these two cities will be warmer today? Timbuktu? Or Mars. Mars. That's what we're doing. Hot or cold? Hot. Pittsburgh or Plattsburgh? Plattsburgh. Council of Elders, Elder Meetings. It's, it's out of my hands at this point. I wish everyone well and good luck. We're going to start with uh, Dustin in Ponte Vedra. Hello, Dustin. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. All right, here we go. I'm going to give you two cities here. You're just going to have to tell me which will be either hotter or colder. And here are your two cities. Which will be which will be colder today? Pittsburgh or Portland? Which will be colder today, Pittsburgh or Portland? Portland. Portland 37, Pittsburgh 36. Sorry, Dustin. You did an excellent job of playing the game, turning down the radio. Not so much. <laughs> and it was a short little ride there, so. But I will say this. A-plus for protocol. I mean, Dustin could not have set a better example for you. No hemming and hawing and wondering and wishing. Pittsburgh or Portland? Portland. Boom. That's a little pressure on you boys this morning. Scott joined us from Mandarin. Hello, Scott. Morning, guys. All right, here we go. I'm going to give you two cities. You tell me which one will be... Uh, warmer today, Providence, uh, Rhode Island, or St. Louis, Missouri. Which will be warmer today? 
St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis, 43. Providence, 45. Sorry, Scott. You see what's happening here, E.T.? Getting freaked out. You see how that, that there's like a like a uh, telepathic freak going on right now? Getting freaky. Yeah, let's go put a little urgency in these boys. <laughs> ah, evil laugh. Stifled. Mike from Jack's Beach. Mike, you there? Yep, I'm here. I like how he puts a little area out there. Um, all right, here we go, uh, Mike. Your American cities are the following. Which will be warmer today? Asheville, North Carolina, or Cincinnati, Ohio? Cincinnati. Cincinnati, 60. Asheville, 67. Sorry, Mike. He gone. It's a touchdown loss. I, uh, I'm back. <laughs> he loves it. It's for him. It's for he's entertainment value. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Dan is next. Dan, you there? Yes, sir. All right, Dan. Which of these two cities will be colder today? Milwaukee or Seattle? Seattle. Seattle today is going to hit a low temperature of 35. Milwaukee, 30. Sorry, Dan. Deuces. <laughs> he loves it. He's talking trash. This is a new element to weather or not. <laughs> you come in, you get freaked, you get run, and then you get <laughs> trash talked. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, everyone. <laughs> For the mysterious prize pack, by the way. Could be like the old, let's make a deal. We're going to pull back the curtain and give you a goat. Congratulations, Chris. You're playing for a goat. All right, you ready? I'm ready. All right, right, here we go. Which of these two cities will be warmer today? Chicago or Salt Lake City? Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City is going to hit a high temperature today of 39. Chicago, 36. We move to the world round. Okay, right, Chris. Okay. Oh, okay. the excitement that's building right now. I need to know which of these two cities will be colder today. Paris or Seoul? Which will be colder today? Well, 50-50. Let's go, Paris. <sighs> <sighs> There's a lot of yeah, 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 going on there. Huh? Why I gotta be the bad guy? Yeah, yeah. You know the rules. Uh, uh, all right, Chris. Chris wins. I don't think he was looking. I just it was look. He first to the world round. He used his judges challenge. That was just a mind grinding answer. It's a processed. We're going to give it to We're going to give it. Chris gets the mysterious 1010XL whether or not prize pack that could but perhaps not include a goat. <laughs> uh, we're going to come back on the other side. I'm going to uh, reset for you, reestablish uh, some of the important things we saw at the Combine yesterday and that we've seen this week, and it includes now some Jaguars news, further Jaguars uh, news when it comes to Evan Ingram. So if you haven't heard that, stick around. I got that when we come back on the other side. And Dan and I briefly jumped into, or Hick brought it up, we talked a little bit about what with each passing day is looking like a rockier and rockier future for the ACC. FSU and Clemson now are beyond privately lobbying it's almost now a public threat and i don't mean like a threat to the public you know but now the grievances are going public 
And Dennis Dodd's been call, you know, following these kinds of things for a long time. He's CBS Sports. He's one of the guys that I, I you know, I pretty much at least trust what he's doing, the, the relationships he's built. If he's reporting things that are being said behind the scenes, I'm further more likely to believe that, that Dennis Dodd is actually telling me what's going on and not suggesting what he thinks might be, if you know what I mean. And he's got a column on FSU and Clemson specifically as it pertains to uh, their future, and in turn, the future of the ACC. Look, we're in a little bit of tranquil period right now. The volcano's not blowing. And it's it's gone off a couple of times, hasn't it, when it comes to major college sports and all this conference shifting. It's bubbling down there, though. It's going to have a big explosion here that's going to completely, like, waylay entire Power Five conferences. It's coming. And how I would encourage my favorite team to be very proactive and if you're sitting at the base of a volcano, that yours now look. This means from forging your own destiny as much as anything else. FSU, Clemson, some of these programs. If if when 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 the absorption comes from other leagues, those guys will be included. Don't get me wrong, but it's just an interest, interesting kind of perspective. So we'll get into that a little bit uh, coming up as well. Thanks for being up and at them with us. It's a GFL Friday on the drill. We didn't feel like a four and eight team. Uh, I remember sitting in team meetings. Doug would always just preach to us, "Man, guys, until we are physically out of this thing, you know." He would always put up all the scenarios. Hey, we can still win the division. We can still make the playoffs, and all this and that. And he was very optimistic about that. And that just fed over into the players, into the locker room. You know, guys had good attitudes going out to practice each and every day. And I think early in the year, a lot of our losses were real close losses, real tight finishes. So. I mean, we knew we we were going to get over that hump. It was just a matter of when. That's C.J. Beathard. Uh, just another perspective from inside that Jaguars locker room. Really interesting what he said there. How many times have we heard coaches scold the media or at least give a strong impression that they never look ahead. It's only next week, one week at a time. Not, hey, if we do this, this, and this, we can still make the... Listen, that's how we live life. That's how we watch a game. All right, if we can score before the end of the half, we get the ball to start the second. That's how... That's the real... It's not like if your team trails by 14 points and you get the ball with three minutes to go in the half and you know you get the ball coming out in the second half... Let me tell you what your logic never is. Let's just get a good play here. Let's just do this one play at a time. No, what do you do? All right, we got to get a score. We get the ball in the half. We get a score there. We're only down seven. And so for Doug Peterson to engage his players that way, his team that way, and, and remind them, because you know what? In many cases, I bet you a lot of the players didn't have any idea. I bet you the players at 4-8 and eight thought the season was over. I'll bet you that. I don't think they're looking at wild card scenarios, and standings, or anything else. They're 4-8. and eight. They just got the crud kicked out of them at Detroit. And they got a tough stretch of games coming up against the Titans and the Cowboys and good teams. There wasn't a locker room thing and we're going to the playoffs. And the fact that they had a coach who was willing to, like, keep it real. Hey, 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 now. Hey, all we got to do is do this, 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 and this. And we can still get in the playoffs and do this and this. And we'll go to the – we'll win the division. I think it was interesting that C.J. Beathard, you know, it's not really admitting it, but but sharing that. That there is a coach that did use the big 
picture rather than because so many times what you get is that time worn cliche of one game at a time. We're not one thinking, game at a time. We're not thinking about that. We're in no position. Or you'll get this, which is fair. We're play, playoffs, right? You ask a four and eight coach, hey, uh, coach, I mean, are we getting to the point where the playoffs are, are really becoming a, a stressful topic right here? Play, play, we're four and eight, man. Playoffs? You want to talk about playoffs? We just want to win a game. No, we're not thinking about the playoffs. We're thinking about trying to find a way to beat Team A next week. Right? That's what they tell you. And many may do it that way. But again, just another, I feel like every day I'm bringing like some sports psychologist of the year award to Doug Peterson. But just another example of how he pushes the right buttons inside that locker room. How so overwhelmingly clear cut. He's the right guy. And by the way, when he spoke at the Combine this week, he didn't back down from expectations. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't sidestep where the Jaguars run last year now puts them. Doug Peterson stepped up to the podium and basically was asked, Are you the are you the team to beat in the AFC South? Now, what a preposterous question that would have been. At the end of October, where we lost five in a row, we're four and eight, and yet a coach, according to C.J. Beathard, is telling them scenarios. Here they are. Boom, 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 boom. Well, the scenario now, the overwhelming pick in the South, I, I mean, there may not be, this is, I, I want to slap myself for saying this, not out of anger, but just out of wow. We said yesterday, when you go through the whole panel of experts and all the different websites and all the analysts, all making their Super Bowl picks next year, I suggest somebody along the way, two, three interlopers, will have the Jaguars in the Super Bowl. There's always somebody willing to step out for a team that's on the rise with a quarterback. And I said yesterday, I personally wouldn't pick them there yet, but they'll show up. What about this scenario? Is this possible? Is it possible that... If 71 different predictors from websites and networks pick the division winners, that all 71 would pick the Jaguars to win the South? I mean, is it It won't be a big deal. They won't know that everyone else is. But if I go to you blind and say, who's winning the AFC South next year, and I see two rookie quarterbacks, maybe the Titans get a couple just as a nod to what they've been. On maybe. a whim, yeah. But nobody would pick the Colts or the Texans to win the South next year. Nobody. And, again, if you incorporate the consensus, 84 different picks, might all 84 speak to the Jaguars, the expected champion of the AFC South? Listen, one thing we know, if we're going to talk about Doug Peterson keeping it real when it came to last year and keeping him motivated on a hypothetical prize that went way beyond just play a good game for me. He's also going to now have to guide them through being, uh, having expected goodness, if not greatness, and he was asked about that at the Combine, being the team to beat in the AFC South. You definitely want them to think that way, you know. Um, I, I want them to feel that kind of pressure, you know, where you have to perform week in and week out. You know, but in, the, in this past year, we were just, um, you know, playing to win a game, and, and, then, and then ultimately we find ourselves – you know, winning more games at the end of the season, putting ourselves in a position to win the AFC South. But now those are the expectations that, that, that I, as the head coach, expect our football team to have. 
and and that'll start you know April seventeenth when we when we start our off season program. A, a big so there it is. I mean, dude's a, the dude's the mind freak. He'd be great at weather or not. I'd invite him in for celebrity <laughs> weather or not one time. Oh, ha- we we gonna do that. We yeah. might do that. Green or blue? Green? No, 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 blue. <laughs> um, one you know, and we have listened to some of these comments, but by no stretch have we listened to them all. So this is coming at you fresh and. At least his perspective. I I think I can tell you before he does. You're kind of limited in your scope when you're asked about your thoughts on the number 24 pick overall. Again, we've talked about the differences in the past. We can focus on a specific prospect. Now you almost have to try and wonder which position will be the first round pick there at number 24 for his part. Doug Peterson, who doesn't make the overall decision, but there seems to be a pretty good working relationship here between coach and and scout and front office staff and putting together the best roster possible. Here is uh, the Jaguars head coach on that first round selection. Listen, the the draft is a funny thing and, you know, we're fortunate to be down. I think we're at 24 um, this year and um, you just, you just play the waiting game. Obviously, you know, if there's somebody, a player ahead of, ahead of us that that you may want to grab you 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 try to you know try to make a move to grab that player but a lot of times when you're you know in the bottom you know third of the of the draft you just you just wait and and sit and uh maybe there's teams that want to come up and maybe you can gain more capital right draft capital as as you uh as you sit there at 24 so a lot of options there um and hopefully the player that uh you know we target is sitting at 24 we take him a pretty good possibility. It won't be a player. There'll be three or four. They'll be really stoked to get at 24. Hopefully they're right again. There's, there's. Look, grading these cats is. It can vary from, from guy to guy. Last year's draft class was far from just like some failure. You got a starting center. It looks like he's going to be around a long time. You got a pair of rookie uh, linebackers. Are they. They need to improve Moom and Lloyd. Sure they do, but they, they they flashed, right? I mean, was Devin Lloyd not the AFC Defensive Rookie of the Month his first month in the league? At the very least, he was Defensive Rookie of the Week. I'm pretty sure he was Defensive Rookie of the Month in September. I feel like Devin Lloyd has played his way back into a more solid, consistent uh, player by the end of the year. Muma uh, forced into action. Uh, look, a big part of the evaluation. Talked about the big year twos. It's not just Trayvon Walker. What can you get out of those guys ultimately? All right, meanwhile, uh, the dudes that play those positions, they worked out at the Combine yesterday, and some stars really lived up to the hype. I think I saw this. We talked about Nolan Smith earlier, and we should say we were mentioning his numbers last year. He missed a good portion of last year with a back injury. But overall, Nolan Smith, who, by the way, is a very good player, but 12 sacks in four years. And again, I focus on these things because we need guys to get to the quarterback. Different ways to, to come about getting that guy. Are you good and savvy enough to spot a guy who did not have sack stats in college and you make him one? Because it certainly happens the other way. The Jags one year drafted this guy from Minnesota named Lamanzer Williams, and he had like some ungodly number of sacks his senior year, like 21 or 22. He brought him in here, and he never mounted anything. Anywhere in the NFL, he couldn't get to the quarterback. So it's not just about the, the stats that you have, but I tell you what, if you do draft a guy at a position that, League-wide gets to the quarterback, and he's not known in college for, for getting sacked. You better spot the athleticism and the ability to do it because, you know, again, I'll say with Trayvon Walker, he has to get sacks. They are an important stat. They may be the most important stat. 
It's not enough to do everything but. Not as the number one pick. You can, And again, no fault to him for being that. At this point, no fault to the Jags for taking him. But if you're drafting that position there and he's not getting sacks, you could have got him in round three. So, uh, we shall see uh, on that. But meanwhile, yeah, some of the guys are just... Uh, I mentioned Nolan Smith. I, I didn't finish. He ran faster than Saquon. And then he, and he, and then he jumped higher than another the player. So, he, he, he set the tone yesterday. And look... You use these numbers, the best way to use them is take a player you really like, you like him on film, you like him as a player, and wow, he cements it with the numbers because history has proven that if you find a guy that's mid-rounds as a prospect and he wows you with the numbers and you take him a round too high, you're doomed for failure. There are exceptions to the rules both ways, but yeah, no. We got more from the Combine, more from around the National Football League because there's also news involving you know current players and... Uh, Outjump DK Metcalf. That's the other one. Higher, uh, uh, bigger high jump than DK Metcalf for Nolan Smith, and a faster forty than Saquon Barkley. Out of all of those, that one's the most impressive to me. Like the most eye popping. Out, outjump DK. Okay, right. Again, those guys. Now Nolan Smith to me falls into that first category. He's a good player, so maybe this should take him from twenty four to fourteen. If you know he's backing up what you know the kind of player. Um, that you think he is, then yeah, sure, why not? Oh, the sweatshop's back at it again, E.T. Mock draft. CBS, literally, I don't know how this still passes muster, somewhere in the South Asian Sea on a desert island with, you know, coconut trees. Them boys putting in that work. There's a big 40,000-foot thatch warehouse with dirt floors. And just mock draft stations set up all over the place. I mean, it's like a sweatshop in there. And with just a couple or three big bamboo fans. You know what I'm saying, E.T.? They make them out of bamboo. They don't get the modern. Big bamboo fans are slowly. Whoosh. Whoosh. Meanwhile, this is is all you hear. It's a mock draft sweatshop. Today, (laughs) I just imagine how they go. Dude walks in. Glares, glares at him. He, everyone just looking away, hoping that he doesn't look them dead in the eye because then they know it's their turn. Oh, no. I, there he is. Chris Trapasso looking the other way. Can I go to the restroom? Here comes, here comes Ryan Wilson. Oh, oh, no, not me, boss. I'm not ready yet. I'm sorry, we have to have one. Where do we want to go? Edwards, you're up! So here he is, Josh Edwards of CBS Sports. Trapasso, by the way, also whipped it into shape. He he also debuted one today, but sorry, it doesn't make it off the cutting room dirt floor for the purposes of our program. Edwards, you're up. Uh, <laughs> whoosh. 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 I mean, they lock those boys in there, E.T. Lock them down. No wages. They're getting make 10 cents a day. They feed them. Some sort of plantain and pineapple gruel. <laughs> All right, here's how, uh, let's see, today's, yeah, Josh Edwards. Uh, Josh Edwards has the Colts trading up to get Bryce Young. 
Man, we haven't gotten into at all the fear factor. Where do we want these quarterbacks to go? Who do we want to get who? You know, Texans and Colts are getting them. I mean, listen, we're all high and mighty here because, well, Trevor Lawrence became Trevor Lawrence, but if a dude like Bryce Young becomes Bryce Young, well, suddenly, uh-oh. Still think we're... We, how can we distance here in the next couple of years? Uh, Bryce Young goes number one over here, and then the Texans come right back with C.J. Stroud at number two. So there you go. Young quarterbacks. in. Hopefully they don't hit. Is it me? And I know there are failures, and those seem to register in people's minds stronger and longer. It seems like the young quarterbacks that come in now are capable. I mean, I don't know. There's Zach Wilson. So what, we, need one, Zach Wilson. we need one of these two dudes to be Zach Wilson. No, no offense, guys. Don't wish uh, – uh, that's just how the cookie crumbles. Yeah, right, man. man. It's just, that's y'all just coming how, to the division. Yeah. Which one of y'all is Zach Wilson? Sorry. Uh, interesting here after the early feedback. By the way, Jalen Carter returned to the combine to, to, I guess, go through his interviews and other things, maintaining that he'll be found innocent of his misdemeanor charges in that uh, tragic death. But Jalen Carter still shows up number three here to the Cardinals, even with what's uh, lingering over. All right, let's uh, skip through some others. Uh, Will Levis to the Panthers at six, they say, and Anthony Richardson to the Raiders at seven. Whoosh. Whoosh. All right, let's get to the Jags and enough of this. Because I have other Jag news, by the way, percolating. So content full. Should sell some of our content, E, to other stations and other markets. Um, uh, The Jaguars at number 24. I've seen this name a little bit. Brian Brees is a defensive lineman. Uh, They write... It is difficult to justify Jacksonville adding another front seven player with a first-round pick. No, it's not. We're reminded five of the team's eight first-round selections since 2018 have been used to address the defensive front. Um, so what? It still needs addressed. You keep... You know, listen, surest way to stunt growth is to keep riding average instead of trying to get great. So, no, there is no such thing as drafting too many. Draft them until you get it right and you get a star. Ultimately, we need a guy we get in at 24, turns into Micah Parsons or somebody else outside the top 10. I know Parsons is right on the cusp there. So is a J.J. Watt, but the guys could be out there. How do you utilize an historic run from a pit defensive tackle yesterday? Kalija Cansey ran the fastest 40 time by a defensive tackle ever. Uh, by the way, Javon Dexter of the Gators also showed very well. He was one, two, three. He was fifth in the 40 times. These are D linemen. He, in the three cone drill, he was also fifth. And there's only a, two other guys were top five in both. And by the way, the kid from, from Pitt who ran so fast wasn't. Uh, Dexter shows up. Seventh in the broad jump. So, really, everything they 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 tested in, uh, he showed out well. But, anyway, this kid from Pitt is really, he's drawing Aaron Donald comparisons. He won't get up into that area of 10, 11, 12 where Aaron Donald went. But can he go from what was thought to be, like, top 40, mid-second? Does he become someone the Jaguars would be interested in? Listen, gang, not because he ran the fastest by .01 seconds, by the way, over Aaron Donald. Not, not, that's not why but because he's also a good player. He's an All-American. He he really showed well at the Senior Bowl. There's a lot of momentum toward a player like that, and so is that a name to watch and keep an eye on? It would. I will say this. I said this when we opened the show today. The D-linemen, the linebackers, the edge guys, we've talked about some of the superlatives. 
one or two of those dudes that worked out yesterday are going to be Jaguar draft picks. They are areas of need. These are the best players in the country. And so, if nothing else, watching the workout time should at least get you a little bit familiar with some names that are going to be around here. I I see nowhere. And I'm not saying they're first-round pick. Maybe they're not. There's hundreds of prospects there. They're not, not all first-round picks. You're building your roster. You're fighting hidden gems. We're overdue for smashing like a sixth-round running back who is, you know, instant impact. We're overdue to hit in a couple of uh, positions with some mid-to-late-round gems. We'll see. All right, moves made yesterday um, would equal, by the way, if it plays out, a uh, plus $2 million net to the positive on the salary cap. First and most important, Evan Ingram was franchise tagged yesterday. They have a good portion of the offseason to work out a long-term deal. I believe it's July, isn't it? I think they have until July even to work out a long-term deal. If you remember, last year they franchised Cam Robinson and then ultimately worked out a long-term deal and did not have to use the franchise tag on him. And so, and what that does is give you flexibility if they franchise. I, I don't want to speak out of terms on the rules, but I believe this is the case. If you franchise Evan Ingram, nah, it would have to happen before, yeah. I was wondering, could you franchise Ingram, get a deal done, and still franchise Taylor if you want to, but I guess you can't do that. Yeah, I don't recall anything like that, but how, the date is July 17th. Yeah, so mid-July, they'll have to work out a long-term deal. I would suspect that that's still the overall uh, goal. You know, I know Ingram thinks it is, and the vibe here is good. But why could, so let's say we, we put the franchise tag on them, and let's say we work out a deal before, look, let's say we work out a deal by the draft. Could we not use that again? I think... This is another one to look up. I think the deadline for using the franchise tag is like March 15th. That's right. I think that's right. what it is. Okay. So the reason it doesn't happen, it would be like, all right, we franchised Evan Ingram today and we'll sign him this weekend, make a deal, then you can use it on someone else. I'm not even sure if you can. It's it's an interesting question. Uh, the text line usually come, has come across this experience with one of their players or one of their teams and can uh, clear it up. I've done a lot of deep dives today. I'm content full. I don't need to dive into the franchise tag rule doesn't uh, appeal to me because all I can tell you is Evan Ingram will be here next year. Will he be here happy and longer with the same hunger he played with last year? Will they get a longer-term deal? Will he be here happy and hungry with another one-year deal? Or will he be here with a one-year deal he really didn't want? These are you know, the, the, the paging psychologist Peterson. Paging psychologist Peterson to the players' lounge, please. He seems like a really good dude. We've seen nothing from Evan Ingram that's anything other than hard worker, good locker room influence, and last year, statistically, a much-needed baller. I mean, he really took off down the stretch. That game he had at Tennessee, man, it's one of, it's one of the top offensive pass-catching games in Jaguars history. I don't mean by the total yards, even though that would apply, but just the big plays and when what they had to have that day and what he gave them. Uh, fantastic. Meanwhile, look, it's being reported nationally, something that we've known all along. Shaq Griffin is ultimately going to be released, but just a reminder that with the salary cap you, uh, space you will save by releasing Shaq Griffin. I wish Shaq had worked here, by the way. Didn't end on the best of terms. He mini jailed it a little bit. But overall, it's too bad he didn't make plays because I think he would have been a good locker room, a leader, a confident guy. He's accountable. And it just just didn't work, did it? We'll see if it if there's career left for Shaq Griffin. It looks like, um, or no, I shouldn't say it looks like. The, the fact is, that's a net plus two if you have to keep 
Ingram on the franchise. That's like eleven and a half million, and yet you're saving thirteen and a half with Shaq. So, all in all, in the long uh, haul, they continue to maintain that it's their own free agents that they do want to focus on, and there's still ten of them out there that they haven't gotten to, gotten around to. I can't imagine they're all, but other you know names like Arden Key, Andrew Wingard. Again, we have a defense that was the weak link. I, I'm not sure I'm in favor of bringing any and all back. I'm not sure I wouldn't kind of, you know, blow it up is too harsh a word. There's some good talent there. There's some contracts that you're just going to have to suffer through. But leaves a little to be desired. we got a football fix coming up later this hour. That's uh, coming your way about 745. We're going to take a quick break right now. We'll come back, and uh, ET will put me to the test with a 10-minute drill. We'll talk about some of the uh, national and local headlines in the sports world. It's a GFL Friday. Pat Dooley joins us from Gainesville. Still going to get to that FSU story a little bit later. A very interesting cover story on uh, one of the websites about the shaky ground suddenly the ACC is finding itself on uh, when it comes to dealing with their two best brand names, Clemson and Florida State. You know, there's also the other side of do does the F would the F SEC want to add those teams? At one point, the SEC didn't want FSU, but times have changed so much that I don't, you know, I don't think protecting conference ground or Florida worried about recruiting. They're recruiting against them anyway. You used to could use like from the Gator perspective, you use oh you're gonna play in the SEC here. You don't want to go there and play in the ACC, so you would lose that. But at this point, that's not proven to really matter. Clemson has top recruiting classes and wins titles, so. You know, kids are a lot savvier, highlights and huddles and uh, online visits and Zoom calls. It's a lot easier to, and by the way, now when you go places, you're walking into these resort hotel. (laughs) Looks like you're going off on vacation for uh, years in these player facilities around the country as well. But we're back with a 10-minute drill. When we return, you're listening to 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hit it. Uh, We're going to hit it. E.T. ketchup or mustard? Ketchup. You're a ketchup guy? I did that. I answered that like whether or not. You did, real quick. I like that. Be mustard for me. Not no. like, not even close. Yeah, it's I can't. It's like ketchup isn't something that I can't eat. I can eat ketchup, and I really love ketchup with fried shrimp, French fries. Ketchup's a dipping thing for me. I don't like putting it on stuff. Same thing for me as far as with the mustard. It's yeah. not even close. I prefer ketchup, yeah. and I can eat mustard on some sandwiches but ketchup all day yeah no 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 mayo ketchup is tolerable mayo is an absolute no-go and <laughs> mustard regular yellow mustard too by the way that man don't, don't bring me that, that golden brown mustard i'm no, spicy none no of that honey no <laughs> give me some yellow mustard <laughs> well maybe we should all opt for the uh, ketchup and while you're at it just put a couple bottles in your go bag you know, for when things hit the fan and you got to get out of town off the grid. Elvis Francois, a 27-year-old from Dominica. Yeah. Got caught up in bad weather conditions for almost a month. He was rescued when a plane finally spotted him. He had engraved help into his sailboat in desperation. He told NBC News he managed to survive on a bottle of tomato ketchup with only garlic powder and stock cubes for extra sustenance. It was rough. Without no food, it was just a bottle of ketchup that was on the boat. Garlic powder, stock cubes, I mixed it up with some water. At some point, I lost hope. Thought about my family, but I thank the Coast Guard. Yeah, shout out my boys. Hines says it wants to track down the amazing man with an amazing story to gift him a brand new boat. Yeah, I think they found him. All right, good. And probably a couple bottles of ketchup along the way would be my guess. All right, with that, that's the kind of setup that I give you. 
for the 10-minute drill, E.T. I mean, that's boom, right? Wrapped attention right now for right me and my brother. All right. Um, if LeBron and the Lakers don't make the playoffs, does this does it affect his legacy any? I will say this. Will this not be in L.A. five seasons with three missed playoffs? Yeah. There are many jokers that are at the top of the league who do that. What's he on? Four? Is he five? Four titles? He has. Four. No, five. Yeah, the Lakers made five, right? Because he had. No. Oh, yeah, he has four. Four only, uh-huh. man. Kobe has five, right? Yeah. Shaq has six. Uh-huh. You know, at the end of the day, you should be judged in with a combination of who you were. He's the league's all-time leading scorer. He's got a lot of things on, you know, that are on his side of, of the ledger. At the end of the day, it's fair to wonder why LeBron and the Lakers are in this position to begin with. We we questioned before guys were hurt, and and it became this um, urgent. Exactly why and what was going on. Now they host the Timberwolves tonight. I said it before. Here's the reality in in the West between the Golden State. Warriors at number five in the standings, all the way down to the Portland Trailblazers at number 12. There's only three games in the loss column that separate them. The Lakers right now, though, are outside of the 10. They're a game behind the Pelicans to be in the play-in. And just because you get in the play-in doesn't guarantee anything. Now, uh, the Clippers, by the way, they're in the tank all of a sudden. The Russ effect continues. Uh, the T-Wolves and the Lakers play tonight. The Lakers, I would suggest, win this. But back to you, I've, I've digressed. Back to your original point. Probably not, to be honest with you. Maybe now in the talk cycles around this season. But when you look back in five or ten years, I think LeBron's legacy of greatness will be what it is. And I don't think they'll be pointing to his age 38 season any more than, than we point at Jordan's age 40. Which, by the way, I'm not sure how that ended. I know he's averaged 20 a game. I'm not sure if the Wizards were a playoff team. I think he did get them there once. Earlier, you mentioned um, how Rom is playing. Well, he's playing some lights out golf. That's you're putting it mildly. But uh, there's a lot of big names that are playing some good golf. Like, and as I'm diving into the golf world, it's 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 becoming easier for me to pick a golfer because there's a lot of them to pick from. Well, to your point, and this is really magnified next week at the players when yeah. the best of the best will be there. I, we did this little exercise earlier, and I told you these guys are all within a tie for fifth after round one of Bay Hill. You have John Rahm, you have Cameron Young, you have Xander Shoffley. Uh, Ricky Fowler's playing better golf this year. Patrick Cantlay, Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth. That alone is a, is a ton of big names, right? Yeah, all well, of those are Okay, big well, let's just keep going down the board, guys, that are maybe just outside the top 20 or even further down. I see, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Max Homa. Uh, Tony Finau, Hideki Matsuyama, Jason Day, Victor Hovland. I, to your point, and it's why any rival tour is a ridiculous notion of competition. It's a smash and grab is what it is. And this, and now with some slight alterations going forward, you're going to, when I mention those names, let me go down for an example. I don't even know if they even start tracking the cut this early. Yeah, the projected cut is even. Let me give you a practical example of what the PGA Tour is going to do next year when they make these 8-10 to 10 tournaments, 70, 78 players, and no cut. And all that means, you know, the way golf works now is you play two rounds. If there's a certain line of half the field and you got to go home, you, you know, you're gone. Well, no cut, that wouldn't be the case. Well, the other side of that is if you're just an average casual fan and Rory McIlroy is in your event, 
you're assured of seeing Rory McIlroy if you decide to get Saturday tickets. Or Sunday, you know, there's no chance that your favorite golfer is gone. No load management. Yeah, right. If they've gotten to that point, and the and the PGA guys are smart about it, they have said they have they've compared it to the NFL. If you go to an NFL game and Tom Brady doesn't play, you feel cheated. Well, if you go to a golf event and it's Saturday and suddenly, oh boy, you you didn't make the cut, you're gone. It, it the fans suffer more than the golfer. Look, if a golfer misses the cut, he knows he's so far out of to make any kind of decent cash that that week anyway. He's better off just going. Because here are some examples of some of those names in in that it won't be a factor uh, moving forward. Uh, Billy Horschel right now would not make the cut. We have another day, by the way. Uh, Will Zalatoris, Colin Morikawa. Um, spitballing here as I go down through the names. Well, there's three pretty big ones for you. Adam Hadwin has played good golf. I wouldn't put him in that category. but So, yeah, to your point, that's an astute observation. There is a... And ha- you know what, in, in fairness, and I don't mean to base everything off of live, but it's still a percolating quote-unquote competition. The fear of what might happen has not happened. Like when the PGA Tour did lose golfers that weren't maybe greatly well-known from ranked 25th to 75th, and there weren't a ton of them, but there were a few. I mean, there's no more value to Mark Leishman than there is in one of those guys I mentioned. I'm not even going to do put it, Will Zalatoris or whoever. You know, it might be just as highly ranked, but there's nothing to it. What's your confidence level that the Jags and, and Ingram actually get a long-term deal done? You know, I'd have to know what the parameters are. It's, I, I, I have this confidence level for now. There's great camaraderie between the two sides. It's not, right? It's not an antagonistic situation. You know, they're, the, the team's expressing nothing but love for these guys that are available. And in this case, the player... Evan Ingram has been pretty explicit that he wants to stay here. So, depending on what that financial mark is, how the rest of the offseason plays out, maybe you, you know, like I said, maybe you get a long-term deal, maybe you don't, maybe he has to play under the franchise tag and, and with still the explicit plan among both of you that that he will you know, be re-signed the next year. You know, you run a risk either way, right? When, when a guy has an Way better year than he's ever had. It's 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 risky to make a decision completely on that. Like I didn't, but the consistency, the chemistry, the camaraderie between him and Trevor and the other receivers in the passing game doesn't seem like he's going to get brought back and catch forty four. That's happened to us before, yeah. i.e., Julius Thomas. Sure, I think that we, I think that staying here, it's all about I think being healthy for Evan Ingram. He played last year, right? He was in all the games. That wasn't the case in New York. It was always something. But he's a matchup nightmare. I mean, that's what everyone says. He's, he's a wide receiver playing tight end. The big issue, like all New York fans who who disliked Evan Ingram, their, their biggest gripe with him is that he dropped a lot of passes. And I don't recall him dropping a lot of passes no, for us. No, he had a couple here or there. But by, the, the, the receivers dropped a lot more than he did. Right. And, and Kirk in particular, not necessarily known for dropping passes. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll come back with a football fix. We got Pat Dooley coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, still ahead today, going to dive into this percolating situation involving uh, FSU, Clemson, and the ACC. We briefly touched on it. want to go a little more in-depth. If you want to read it, uh, the article that I'm going to be citing, it's Dennis Dodd on CBS Sports, if you're heading into the office or uh, otherwise. There's some interesting uh, scenarios there. We will, though, get to a, a football fix when we come back on the other side. 
um, a football fix that I will include Calais Campbell and Christian Kirk in for reasons you might not expect. So we will do that. Right now, i got a prize pack for ETN. What are we giving away today, ET? We right back at it, man. We sending them folks to go see Wu-Tang and Nas. Oh, that's an E.T. win is what that is. What did I say E.T. and Tim in the drill, I should say. Uh-huh. So a pair of tickets to see oh, Wu-Tang Clan and Nas live wow. at Daly's Place on September 23rd. In honor- tickets on sale today at 9 a.m., but you can win a pair right here on the drill. Well, in honor of today, E.T., I'll do you a favor. I won't give you 33, but call her number three. Oh, I appreciate we'll that. We'll win that. Could have gone 33 now. No, don't do it. Ooh, that'd have been rough. No, this is the drill. All right, hustling along here, content heavy. We'll talk to Pat Dooley in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, take, take it down to Gainesville. Kind of get a State of the Union from inside Hogtown. Uh, FSU News. Bottom of the hour, 8.30. We're going to get into that emerging storyline as the college sports landscape. Again, I describe it as a volcano. You know, it does, it's not always going active, but it's there. It's 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 gurgling and whoosh, it'll go off. And, you know, there's Oklahoma and Texas landing in the SEC. And then, bam, it goes off and USC and UCLA are in the Big Ten. It's there. The lava is still full and it's going to massively explode. And the lava is going to run, you know, uh, into the village. And there's going to be some casualties. And so how... Ahead of the game, do you need to be? How proactive do you need to be if you're FSU, Clemson, some other teams around, you know, the country in current Power Five conferences? But who knows what we land on? 70 teams max? 88 teams max? 60? College football is going to change. And it's also what happens to all those good, solid, middle-of-the-ground programs that just don't make the cut. Like, what if we look, you know, and again, I'm not selling these as be-all, end-alls, but if conferences start falling apart, is Louisville in the ultimate top league? Like, if the ACC goes and disbands because they too much gets raided, I mean, when we move on to these, does, does UCF and Cincinnati and Houston, Tulane and Southern Miss, are they are they included? Will there be a spot for that? Next level down. Say you split into the 78-team super conference, so to speak, and you have a 12-team playoff. Does that 12th spot get held for those college football programs who once played on the same fields as you, but now you're telling them they can't? I don't know. Fascinating developments, but where you are now and where you want to get to, proactivity may be the, the route to go, and there seems to be indications with FSU and Clemson that's where we're at. So, anyway. Uh, more on that coming up in just a little bit. Right now, fire up the band for me, uh, E.T. We got a football fix. The football fix today is brought to you by Pet Paradise. Don't ever be in a fix when it comes to vacation time. You have your go-to spot for all your boarding needs. And by the way, at Pet Paradise, under one roof, modern facilities, best in personnel around town. It may hurt your feelings how bad your dog and how much your dog loves Pet Paradise and how much happier he seems when you get there. And he's with you at home. Just a warning. PetParadise.com for more intel. And they've always got promotions going. Facilities all over the country, quite frankly. All right, so it was a pit defensive tackle who kind of stole the headlines yesterday. There were some record-setting performances by 
some of the big boys yesterday. And by big boys, I mean edge rushers, D linemen, and linebackers. Took to the 40 and the three-cone drill and the broad jump and high jump and all your favorites. Well, this kid, Kalija Cansey out of Pitt, 6'1", 281, ran the fastest official 40 time ever by a defensive tackle at the Combine. The player that he edged out is a player he's being compared to. Also a former Pitt Panther, Aaron Donald ran at .01 slower. Uh, later, he had a Northwestern defensive end run a 4.49 at 282 pounds. That's believed to be the fastest 40 ever for someone 280 or more. Uh, Mario Williams had been the fastest at 4.66, so he smashed that. A Georgia outside linebacker had said earlier in the week, I look forward to showing what I can do, and then he did. Coming off a torn peck in November, he was elite in the three drills he did. 4.39 in the 40. We said before, that's faster than Saquon Barkley ran the 40. 41 and a half inch vertical jump. That's higher than DK Metcalf jumped at the combine. And a broad jump of 10 feet, 8 inches. Smith's 40 time, by the way, the third fastest at the combine among front seven players. Uh, The top is Shaq Griffin's brother, Shaquem Griffin, who ran a 4.38. And he's really an undersized linebacker. You almost consider him a safe. Well, there's just some of the highlights today. It's the quarterbacks. It's the DBs. It'll be spicy. Perhaps we get the measurements on Bryce Young before we're off the air today. That's, you know, we talked earlier in the week. That's something we'll be uh, looking for and looking at. Sometimes you got to know the um, the corporate setup. Sometimes the bosses say things about the uh, certain employees. Maybe it's their group. Maybe it's not even them specifically. And you just got to take it because they're the boss and their opinion matters more than yours. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver Rashad Bateman called out his GM, Eric DaCosta, for comments about the team's disappointing track record for drafting pass catchers. Bateman was a first-rounder last year. He tweeted, quote, How about you play to your player's strength and stop pointing the finger at us in number eight? Blame the one you let do this. We take heat 24-7. Keep us healthy. Care about us and see what happens. Ain't no promises, though. Tired of y'all lying and capping on players for no reasons. Yeah, I used to have a word for that back in the day, E. We called it insubordination. Hit your bro up with that. You don't tell the whole world, bleep the boss. Just does not work that way. And you learn your lesson pretty quick because lo and behold, 40 minutes later, tweet deleted, Bateman, my apologies, with an emoji of two people hugging. Could have saved all that tweet deletion. A Jalen Carter returned to the combine, you know, who's obviously in the news cycle for being arrested in association with those racing charges. He did go back yesterday. Oh, hallelujah, Jerome Boger is retiring. Any NFL referee who tells me retiring is a happy day for me. They're all terrible. Told you the the Jags are going to have tagged uh, Evan Ingram or Will, and, you know, the news is trickling out to everyone else, something we've all known, Shaq Griffin, they're going to part ways with. Ultimately, with those two moves, it's a net positive, a couple million in the salary cap. Uh, Panthers founder, former owner Jerry Richardson, has died at the age of 86. Bucks expected to release tight end Cameron Brait. Uh, And Alvin Kamara, three others pleading not guilty to charges that have been brought against them in an ugly scene in Vegas. That's Football Fix. You're welcome. Brought to you today. By Pet Paradise, we will attempt to hook up with Pat Dooley, go inside the Gator Athletic Program. Uh, That's coming up next here on a GFL Friday on The Drift. 
All right, coming in hot with the czar of Gator Sports and the coverage for many, many moons now, Pat Dooley on the fair and fair phone lines. Dooley's always great to catch up with you. It's been too long. How are we doing? We're doing good. How about you? Uh, just just uh, staying busy and staying busy with the golf tournament and everything else. So yeah. I got a lot of stuff going on. Awesome. Awesome. Good to hear it. Um, all right, let's just kind of – let's stay to the union a couple of things for me. All right. Um, uh, football will start with, right, with spring just now around the corner. What? Let's nuts and bolts it. And certainly there's a lot of grease and loop that goes into whatever the ultimate product is. What? what what's – What's the basement like of acceptance here going into year two of a very tough, intense job for Billy Napier? Cautiously optimistic yeah. would, would be the best way I put it. I think, uh, <clears throat> I, I think most Gator fans, and again, you know, you're, you have the lunatic fringe out there, but I think most Gator fans aren't sure what to think of this guy. They seem to like a lot of the things he's doing, but in the end, it comes down to wins and losses. And uh, they're not happy. That loss to Vanderbilt ruined his season. If he if he wins that game and they end up even seven and six, uh, I think everybody goes okay. First year, yeah, we're good, you know. But to to lost that game really hurt his credibility with a lot of fans. But you know, and they and then I think too, Jeff, as you know, we we expected a huge recruiting class. It was a great recruiting class, but it wasn't an elite recruiting class. And I think Gator fans wanted it to be elite. Without the, you know, they didn't get any five stars, and uh, they need to they need to up that as well. They've got that's the thing. Nobody at Florida in that administration or in that coaching rooms, any of those coaching rooms, they got like ninety of them now, um, can sit there and go, "We don't have enough. We don't have what we need." A lot of coaches have been able to use that as an excuse, and Jim McElwain did to the point where he got fired. But um, nobody can say we don't have everything. You got everything you need. Go get it done. Tell me I'm wrong about this vibe. This concerns me just a little bit. I don't think you get this vibe with Steve Spurrier. or You didn't get it with with Urban Meyer, with the championship-winning coaches. This feels more like the mid-'80s where – there's like everyone pointing to a quarterback <clears throat> coming in next year's class to save the program. That's a that's a dangerous game to play if you're counting on high school quarterbacks still a year away. To, you know what I'm saying? It's like that's yeah, more yeah. of a sign of a team that doesn't have the kind of expectation. With Spurrier, whoever they threw out there, right, was going to win. With, with Urban, you knew he was going to have the right guy. Tim Tebow was a huge signing. Not even he brought the hope and optimism that that DJ Lagway does. I So, so kind of balancing that, I'm not sure what to make of it. Yeah, well, I think that's the, the bottom line is none of us are make, know what to make of, of where they are at quarterback at that position because this year it almost feels like, well, seven wins would be great if yeah. you can get to seven wins because uh, I don't, you know, I don't, look, I, I've said this a million times down the radio down here, uh, but it's, it's the truth and it's what I believe. I've watched Graham Mertz play a lot of games for Wisconsin. I've never once thought he was an SEC quarterback. And, uh, now he is an SEC quarterback, and so that that's going to be startling. I think maybe now maybe a change in scenery, a different offense, something that allows the quarterback to do more as a third, you know, a guy who started for three years. Maybe it'll it'll catch on. It'll be great. That would be terrific for Florida fans. I don't see it, but it may happen. You never know. And all we have with Jack Miller is a one sample size of the bowl game where he was, you know, couldn't play. You know, he wasn't very good. Yeah. 
Um, and that's what you got. They they tried to go through the portal. There were some guys that wanted just so much money. And again, this goes back, and I don't think people can look at this a million ways, but this goes back to Jaden Rashada. They they had a lot of money invested in that guy, and um, it uh, I that's one reason they couldn't invest it in another quarterback. And so a lot of guys that they had their eyes on, they couldn't get. Uh, one guy they had their eyes on, they wanted to get, couldn't get into school. Um, and, and so that's why they settled for Mertz, in my opinion. So that's where, yeah, that's where they are right now. It's no reason to think. That's the thing about last year. I I mentioned this, and somebody got mad at me on the radio. But Colin Castleton was kind of like Anthony Richards in that he gave you a chance in every game. It didn't mean you were going to win that game. <laughs> but sure. he gave you a chance. I, I will say Castleton played hard all the time where Richardson didn't, you know, but um, there's no doubt in my mind that that's part of the problem they have is at least with Richardson, they had a chance to win. They had a chance to go to Utah and win. I don't think anybody feels like they got a chance to go to Utah to win with, with Graham Mertz or Jack Miller. I, I haven't heard Billy Napier speak to it in the, with this specificity. But we know where he came from, right? He came up through that Nick Saban, that Alabama, through that system, oh, yeah. that, that corporate system. And if you look at Alabama, how Nick Saban built him, if you look at Georgia and the path that Kirby Smart took, okay, it, it, it didn't start with the Bryce Youngs and the Tuas and the, you know, and the, and the, and the Stetson Bennett's and these 4,000-yard passers, right? They ran the football. And I just feel like after watching what Florida did last year, what they seem to be, how they seem to be approaching their offensive attack, I I feel like they're trying. He is trying to mimic the way Alabama and Georgia got good. But the, the only downside to that is Alabama and Georgia right now are currently doing good, and you're going to have yeah. to, you know, you're going to have to beat them in recruiting and otherwise to get there. But is that like, you know? I'm not sure that's the right way, Pat. You know, it seems like getting these fast athletes in, in Florida and utilizing that and spreading the field, it seems like that'd be the way you go. Is this just how he chooses to run until he gets that dy- dynamic playmaker? Or are we going to have a run-first coach in Gainesville? And is it fair to call him that? Am I misspeaking when I do that? No, I don't think you're misspeaking. Uh, I think I'm curious to see what happens the next two seasons because one reason, they were a run-first team last year mainly because their quarterback ran the ball really well and he didn't throw it very well so they kind of had to but then all of a sudden he would throw a dime you know like 60 yards right to a receiver so you 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 did have to go to that but um no it's uh it's definitely a concern down here you know that 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 they're gonna go and be and again they got two of the best running backs in the country you know in in that backfield and uh, brought in another one so um but and you, the other thing you have there is an offensive line that's basically starting to new guys coming from all over the, the corners of the planet to all of a sudden be one unit, you know. So we'll see how good that is able to hold up and if they're able to run the ball like that. But yeah, you're right. I mean, um, you know, those teams had to get their elite players around them. I I will say this. I think a little bit of it too was that this team had very little speed, and and so on the outside, so. If you're going to throw the ball to your to your wide receivers, they got to get they got to get away from people, and and that was part of the problem that they had and why they maybe ran a little more. And also the the big mystery for last year, uh, why they didn't throw, they didn't throw the ball to tight end? They just didn't do it, and now the tight ends coach is gone. So um, maybe you know, that changes. 
Yeah. I don't think that was accidental, but he, he moved mm-hmm. along either. Um, well, you speak to one last topic I want to address with football, and then we'll move on. But it, how much is the, quote, chaos real, and how much is it embellished when it comes to what they lost in the transfer portal versus what they gained to the point of, like, losing the D coordinator and the wide receiver coach and the, and, and these other coaches within the last week or two? Is, is it alarming or overstated? Uh, I think it's a combination of both. I, I do think when three coaches leave, you uh, obviously are going to – but I will say this. There's only one of them that anyone went, oh, no. The other two, everybody went, good, bye. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I, I don't I don't know Patrick Tony. He might be a great defensive coach. I know he wasn't a great defensive coach last year. Well, the for defense was terrible, yeah. Yeah. It was the worst defense in the history of the program. And there was better talent out there than the way that he had them playing, too. Yeah. They had a lot of holes in that defense, but he didn't. Co- they weren't able to be covered up, and and there's there were a lot of issues there. I mean, you shouldn't be that bad defensively for an entire season. You shouldn't. I don't care. No. I don't care if you're out there with with uh, a bunch of kids from GHS. Yeah, you know, I'm with just, you. Yeah. So um, so I don't think there was any real anybody. Uh, you know, losing Kerry Culverher, he was a, one of their better recruiters, and I thought he did a good job with a group of receivers that yeah. weren't. Overly talented. So this that, receiving that, core that they sign, I think, is probably look. You get down in the mouth a little bit when you haven't had success in recruiting. You're not having success on the field. You're not throwing it around everywhere. You're not winning ten games. But I, you know, I don't want to go putting like Ike Riedel, Quez Green kind of expectations. But this 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 group of receivers seems like at least might have ceilings like that. Yeah, and it seems like you know, again, we aren't watching them run, but we've been told that they're. Uh, it's a lot faster group, and that's what they needed. They needed to get speed in here. They just didn't have much speed, you know. So uh, I think it's going to help them. I, I the numbers are really good at the wide rec- in the wide receiver room, especially with Pearsall coming back. Um, but you add those freshmen, uh, you know, Gene and Wilson, and I'm forgetting one, but uh, you add the freshmen into a bunch of guys that they they already have that have a chance now to maybe perform a little bit higher level. And that includes, you know, uh, guys like uh, Hen- uh, Henderson and Frazier and guys like that. I yeah. mean, guys that are that showed signs uh, right. of being okay. And if they can take that next step, I think the receiver room might be okay. The trouble is who's going to get him the ball and is he going to get him the ball? And by, uh, by the way, it's trouble because it is the most magnified, most important of any question that you would have in any offseason that really any level oh, yeah. uh, uh-huh. of football for that matter. What What is your uh, grade on – um, year one for Todd Golden helming the basketball team. Well, it's funny when he was hired, I gave it a C plus as a hire, and I heard from the athletic director about that that he didn't huh. think that was well. Don't ask the fair. athletic director for his grade, by the way, or you might hear well, from him louder. <laughs> but I, I did, I did. Uh, after I met Todd, I said, "Well, you're right. I probably could have bumped that grade up at least a, at least a half a point." Uh, he's he's a really dynamic guy. I love the guy. I love talking to him whenever I'm around him. Um, we we have great conversations. Uh, but I, I also felt that way about Will Mustang. You know, so I mean, it's it, that just because I like you doesn't mean it's any you're any good. Um, but I will say this: he has adjusted twice this year, better than I think uh, previous coaches or the previous coach did in terms of changing. Like when they went to that four guard lineup against Georgia. The, that was a, a smart move. I mean, you're going to get killed in other areas, and you're not going to beat really good teams with that lineup. But you can beat Georgia, you can beat the LSU's and teams.
things like that. So uh, he's he's smart. Yeah, I know what he, he knows what he's doing. He's just got to get better players. It's kind of like a very similar situation. Um, and they both, <laughs> uh, you know, in football and basketball, they could both finish under 500 for the first time since 1979. Now, again, basketball may be able, if they can beat LSU, they can finish above 500 or at 500. Um, but that is, I mean, that's where Gator fans are sitting there going, what happened? How did we get here? You know? Yeah. We, we were, we were, we were title town. Not that long ago. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Right? And yeah. So, I mean, now we, we're under 500 in the two sports that matter the most around here. Yeah, so, and it's uh, also, and I, and I don't, you know, and Hicks, I'm my, I'm so I call him minor sport, whatever. Hicks, an uh, other sport fan, right? So if if the tennis team wins a national title, he's giddy. Uh, you know, if 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 gymnastics, you know, beat LSU in a meet, you know, I I think that Florida just beat Bama in football. It doesn't float my boat, and it doesn't float most fans' boat. So if you're if you're running an athletics program where you're great in tennis and golf and swimming and 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 women's softball and, and baseball and you know who you are. You're Stanford, all right. People need people need football and basketball success. And and man, it seems like it's um, okay. Cautious would be the word, and cautiously optimistic, I guess. Cautious. Yeah, and I I don't look. I love all the sports. Sure. One reason I live here. I love going to softball. We're going to baseball tonight. Uh, you know, we're uh, we go to a. Uh, uh, gymnastics a lot my wife and i are big fans of the gymnastics team and all that's great but you know look football is the front porch of your university basketball is kind of the foyer you know <laughs> yeah this is when this is the entrance okay this is where what you're known for and as they want to be great in everything they want to be the everything school but to be the everything school you better be decent in football and basketball um so that they're doing all these things with most of the everything uh, other schools uh, with the exception of women's basketball which did mm-hmm. not have a good year um but football and basketball have to be up there or it doesn't matter you know in terms of of the fan uh experience because that's the thing gator fans have been through a rough time the last couple of years i mean it has been hard and i i feel there's you know some empathy for them because that it hasn't been easy um but uh you know, it, at the same time, there was a time when it was easy. It felt like you you were going to win everything, and so this is kind of the penance you're paying. But it, the question, I think, is not so much why are we here. It is can we get out of here? And I don't think Gator fans as a whole, if you pull them, are sure that they can get out of this hole, this muck that they're in of being mediocre. Well, and look, it's a fair concern. I, I'm always, I've always been a big subscriber, and Pat, you've been around a long time too. There's only so much water in the bucket. What I mean by that is Michigan and Michigan State can't both be good. There's just not enough water in the bucket. I mean, they maybe for a year or two. And so right yeah. now we got buckets where water is just overflowing, Georgia and Alabama. But <laughs> and that's, that's what I told people when Billy came in and he got all this stuff and he, he was doing all this stuff with recruiting that was unbelievable and never been done before picking guys up in SUVs at their houses and, and you know, and wherever they lived and driving them to the airport and, and having all this great stuff at Spurrier's, you know, Gridiron Grill. They have all the recruiting dinners there and all this stuff. And all I said, all that's great. But Georgia and Alabama aren't going to quit recruiting because of this. Right. They're not going to stop. They're not going to say, oh, crap. Right. Florida's in the picture now. Well, <laughs> we better back off. you got to win your way into there. And by the way, that's when good re- classes become great. Until you just 
prove that if you come here, you got as good a chance to do what those great players are going to do at those universities. You've got a little bit of a losing battle. You throw some money here and there and sway some kids, but overall you have to be able to do that, which gets me to one last question on, on basketball. We're visiting with Pat Dooley. Gators are on the fair and fair phone lines. Um, he, here is Here's where I'm worried about Todd. I, by the way, agree almost. It's as if I spoke what you said about Todd Golden, other than your personal experience. I I think the guy's made the most with what he's had. I've been impressed with some of the, you know, the alterations he made, whether it was needing to play Trey Bonham for a snap at the beginning of the year, or as you said, going four guard just recently, just finding ways to cobble. I don't think, you know, I, I think the record's as good or better than the roster is there, and that's, that's a good sign for a coach, I think. But... I'm not a recruit, Nick Pat. I'd shoot. I'm not even sure I know how to follow basketball recruiting between this class and that. It doesn't look like there are any reinforcements coming. I, you know, Billy and and even Mike White. You know, you need a you need a pop with a Scotty Lewis and a Trey Mann, or going back to Billy just every year. One or two of those guys is that guy lingering there, and I'm not aware of him. Or what real hope is there to take massive improvement next year, losing your best player? Uh, there's not a lot of hope for that until we see what he's able to bring in. And, and right now, yeah, you're right. The, when you first come in, it can be hard. Um, you know, because you, especially when you come in like he did from the West Coast, where, you know, nobody knows, nobody knew who he was. Uh, let's face it. And certainly none of these recruits knew who he was. You know, he was recruiting different athletes. And, and I think that hurt. Uh, I think it hurt Dan Mullen, his early part of recruiting, uh, when he was at Florida, because. He came from Mississippi State. He had to up the level of athletes he was recruiting and didn't didn't do it as well as he should have. And and then as a result, he just said, I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs> I'm not going to recruit. <laughs> Super. Well, I, who needs recruiting? Thanks, Coach. Uh, not if you get... <laughs> uh, but, but no, I, that, it, that is a concern. There's no doubt about it because right now, with what's coming back next year, that team doesn't look like a team that's going to do anything. Um, so we'll see if he's able to, uh, to, to get some guys from the portal. I think they're going to rely a lot on the portal here early. Yeah. Um, and that's what they did last year. That, to me, the biggest concern I have about Todd Golden is his evaluation of the guys that he brought in from the portal this year. Had to because do it so most, quick, though. That's the only pass I'll give him. He yeah. did. He oh. did, but it clearly... Uh, no, they're just average. The team yeah. is, is at 500. Yeah. A lot of it's talent. I think I kind of described, summed it up after they got – I, I got to be honest, Pat, at this point, any win is a surprising win for me. I didn't think they'd win it, George. I didn't think – they just – they they overpower power you with a seeming lack of talent. But I kind of summed up. The only way – that's how this basketball team wins now. The only way they win is if they have a 10-point score over 25. It happened to be Will Richard last time. Maybe it'll be Koei series. Maybe it'll be Kugel one time. But that's the only way they win. If their guys just go out and play to their averages, they're going to lose like 84-60 every time out. Yeah, well, that's the problem. They, they, the the biggest problem with this team is not that. Well, Castleton going out is a big problem, but they had already quit playing defense about eight games before. Yeah. They had just, and that was their forte. And then all of a sudden, for some reason, maybe they wore out because they they were they had those, you know, the rotation way down to like seven guys. Maybe they got tired, but they just weren't able to stop anybody. Yeah, and especially the good teams could just go right through them. And uh, I think they gave up over the last. There was an eight-game stretch there where they gave up 82 points a game. So, I mean, that's, you know, that wasn't just Castleman. He was only out for three of those games. So, yeah, um, there's there's certainly uh, concerns about that, you know, concerns about where they're headed. That's, that's the big thing right now over here, uh, to be honest with you, Jeff, is 
where is Florida heading in the two big sports? Yeah. And, and I don't think anybody knows. Well, hopefully, if you're a Gator fan, hopefully you get a little brighter answer next year when uh, when things start off with the football to kick off the season. Pat, I always appreciate it, man. Thanks for taking some time out. I know you're busy with your own endeavors, and uh, we certainly <laughs> certainly appreciate your your perspective. No, we always love coming on, man. Uh, always, anytime you need me, Jeff. Except, except when I don't set my alarm and I don't. <laughs> that happens. Go. Hey, you know, we'll give you a pass. <laughs> uh, thank you, Patrick. All right, my man. Have a great weekend. There he goes. That's Pat Dooley on the Farah and uh, Farah phone lines with his uh, perspective. I think a pretty accurate one from inside the Gator programs. And boy, Pat's been down there. I went to school at the University of Florida in 1985, et, and Pat Dooley was already working there. You know, years ahead of me. already getting to it. Yeah. So uh, good to have him, man. What in the Hockey sticks is going on out in our fair community's roadways. All right, we had a Buckman in the water. Then the next day, we had a Buckman fire. fire on top. Yesterday, we had this calamity on I-95 North down there south of 210 that had closed off the interstate. And now I've been sent this from, uh, I've been sent an alert from Clay County, uh, the sheriff's office. There is an accident on the Shands Bridge. At this time, all lanes are blocked in both directions. Ugh. <sighs> the worst of that is when you get there and realize if you know ahead of time and you can make adjustment and you're fine. So hopefully somebody, if you're just pulling out of your driveway right now, do not go on the shans. and your planned route was over the shans. Now, you know what that means? The Buckman will be extra fun. Let's try and keep it on the bridge today, gang. Cause yeah, once you get over there by that shans, there's, there's no turning back. Yeah. And there's, so if you're not going to go shans, that means I'm assuming you're going to go Buckman. And if you're going Buckman, just, I don't know, keep, keep it on this side of the guardrail. Let's have a crazy day and, you know, don't barbecue it at the top of the span. Just a thought. Just a suggestion. All right. What is the future of of the ACC and FSU and Clemson specifically? Some real questions being asked about that. Dive into it when we return. It's GFL Friday on the drill. was kind of like Anthony Richards in that he gave you a chance in every game. It didn't mean you were going to win that game, <laughs> but For he sure. gave you a chance. At the end of the day, the Florida Gator Athletic Program does not like to uh, think of itself as if you lose one guy, your whole season's up in smoke on either either one of those fronts. That's a fair point about Anthony Richardson. We tend to focus in on the failures, right? Certainly a lot better with him than without him and in at least a chance, you would think, to be in just about every game. So, um, By the way, just the, the mayhem out there. I'm getting it out from everywhere. We got we got Guggens on the way, I-10 West. There's an accident around Lake City. It's backing them up for hours. It's a parking lot. I got sent a shot of the Nocatee Parkway backed up like a parking lot. Uh, our man, uh, Bill Hickey, who was in uh, talking about that veterans uh, job fair for the, for the players, uh, good morning. Uh, to add to the fun, JTV Eastbound is backed up from the Intercoastal to Hodges. Oh, man. Is traffic not the worst, by the way? Well, One this of just the a, things I hate. Yeah, Captain most. Obvious here. Hey, Jeff. Wow, it's insightful. Way to make <laughs> us think this morning. <laughs> hey, bringing all that negativity, yeah, Dan. I'm bringing it on myself, <laughs> right? Yeah. Good thought, Jeff. Traffic, bad. Anything else for us? Huh? You know, life-killing diseases, those bad also? Yeah. Um, I got a couple of interesting quarterback 
uh, notes. I, I'll tell you if you haven't heard by now, you probably have, but if you haven't, the, the Jaguars put the franchise tag on Evan Ingram. Doesn't mean he's only here for one more year. It means they're going to give themselves some wiggle room. They can continue to negotiate if the two sides want to together a longer-term deal. They have until July to do that. Can only use one, though, so Jawan Taylor now, it's strictly negotiation if he is indeed in, in the plans. They've said, you know, they want to deal with their own. They've got 10 left. With the franchise tag now on Ingram and, you know, the, the report starting to leak more nationally that here's what happened, man. You got people that talk about the Jags, right? And talk about Shaq Griffin coming back from injury. They just don't know the team. Like, I heard a couple of guys, like, talking about Shaq Griffin. What are y'all talking about? And so I'm, I'm sure somebody corrected these guys. Hey, man, Shaq Griffin ain't going to be with that team. And so now they know what we know. And that will uh, bring some salary cap um, savings. All right. So I don't. It, it sure looks like Derek Carr is going to be a Jet. When your head coach, Robert Salas, says Derek Carr, quote, in line with where Matthew Stafford was before going to the Rams. I, in other words, what well, Salah is saying that if he, the same quarterback who with the Lions was known as not really necessarily winning, went to the Rams and won a Super Bowl. Now, I would offer this. You know, maybe the Jets are that good. Like, there's this thought that the Jets were on the cusp, and then the Cynics, they know they're not. They're nowhere near. They do have that receiving core, those young guys, that receiver, and Brees Hall was terrific. The defense plays pretty good. I mean, of all the teams that might just be a quarterback away, it could be the Jets, right? The Jets fell apart down the home stretch. Don't get me wrong, but injuries and other issues took their toll. But if that running back comes back healthy, and Garrett Wilson was terrific as a rookie receiver. The defense played played really good for most of the year. They, they just, you know, the quarterback play was all. It's amazing they were what they were with that quarterback play. Think about that, right? It's amazing they were hovering around 500 and had a chance to make uh, the playoffs considering how terrible their quarterback play was. So, a Derek Carr might make that. I don't. still wouldn't make him like, oh, my gosh, if I'm a Jag fan, I'm panicking. If I'm the Chiefs or Bills or Bengals, no, but it certainly makes them better. So I thought that was interesting. And then I thought this was interesting. An interesting perspective from a young cat on the veteran quarterbacks. Clemson edge rusher Miles Murphy grew up dreaming of sacking Tom Brady. So now he knows he'll never get the chance. Can you guess the quarterback he now says he would most like to sack? Old Patrick. It's not Mahomes. That's why it's surprising. Oh, no. Yeah, Murphy told uh, on a PFT Live at the Combine says the quarterback he always wanted to sack was Brady, but unless Brady comes out of retirement, that won't happen. He now says Bill's quarterback Josh Allen would be the one he'd most love to sack. It's every pass rusher's dream to sack Tom Brady, but he just retired as far as we know. I got to pick a new favorite. I've heard Josh Allen is pretty hard to take down. Big guy. If I take him down, it's going to be a big accomplishment. You know, some if I was in that situation, the person I would want is Lamar. Yeah, you almost feel like that's you're just – get. That feels more like an open field tackle than does a sack, doesn't <laughs> right. it? Uh, but, yeah, there you go. The, the and, and Clemson's got, got a few of those prospects on the defensive side of the ball, uh, more than one that could be taken in round one. But there's Miles Murphy. Now, speaking of Clemson, we know where – they stand in the ACC. They helped lift the conference to another level. They follow up FSU winning a natty in the beginning of the decade of the you know 2010s. What, 2013 was FSU's. And then Clemson showed up in the middle of the decade with Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence you know, winning championships themselves. The ACC needs Clemson and FSU as, you know, like the Big Ten would need Ohio State and Michigan. 
um, and and I'll give you a correlation. The ACC needs Clemson and FSU, like the Pac-12 needs USC and UCLA, like the Big 12 needs Texas and Oklahoma. And guess what? USC and UCLA are now in the Big 10, and Texas and Oklahoma are now in the SEC. So this supposed place of how bad they need you apparently doesn't mean a thing. And if you're the ACC, you need some nervous meetings to determine just what's going to happen moving forward. I've spoken of this earlier. We're coming for a blow-up. The volcano is going to blow, and some of the villagers are going to die. You know, well, villages in Ames, Iowa, and, and Orlando, and Houston, and in parts unknown as of now in the ACC, Virginia Tech. I mean, some... Some proud programs, are they going to survive? Now, you would think that FSU and Clemson are good either way, but better to forge your own path. Um, Here is what FSU Athletic Director Michael Alford said to Jim Phillips, the commissioner of the ACC. Um, We have to do something because we're a brand. We're a very important brand, and we drive the media value in this conference, he told the board of trustees. The call, though, with the ACC commission wasn't about that. The errance of grievances by the FSU AD in front of his board. No, it may be soon. What he did was part, maybe performance act even. Get this official narrative from FSU's perspective out there. A threat to leave the conference. From the Florida State perspective, it drives the ACC revenue bus. Now, whether or not that's completely accurate, I don't know. I would say behind Clemson it would be. It isn't the only athletic department that will sit $30 million in revenue behind the SEC and the Big Ten starting next year, but as of now it's certainly the loudest. Clemson and FSU have a right to feel like they should get at least make the kind of money that Mississippi and Mississippi State make. That... Purdue and Rutgers make. And if the conference as a whole can't bring in the kit and caboodle, that an even split gives Big Ten and SEC competition that much cash, then, oh, well, sorry, Wake, you ain't getting as much. That seems to be the message from from FSU specifically, from Clemson, you would think. And all of the reverberations are, in this case, lava flow that would come from it. FSU, you can tell, feels underpaid and overwrought. Now, this is a real quick to uh, puff up your chest from a football perspective. It's been lean times the last few years. FSU signed a binding contract that guaranteed it both media rights, income, and network until 2036, but they say it's not good enough. Uh, So, as to the call with the commissioner, we've known each other 20-something years. We've been friends a long time. He understands the conference is working to find solutions. There's not a better person doing it than him. I think he's the best in the business. But business is going to be redefined in the ACC, redefined in the ACC, or business is going to change. FSU isn't alone. Clemson, Miami, North Carolina also are just kind of different as national brands than some of the other programs. The difference is there's so much success. Look, with all fairness, FSU, Miami, North Carolina, you're to blame. If you were doing what numbers two, three, four, and five were doing in other conferences, this wouldn't be a conversation point. There's also that. They don't have, they don't give them more in the SEC and Big Ten because they like them more. They give them because multiple teams from their conferences go to the playoff. 
go to bowl games, provide a TV network with the impetus to sign them long-term. The value that they bring Saturday to Saturday, they find it a lot more valuable to put LSU Ole Miss on than NC State Wake Forest or Syracuse and you know, Miami, whoever, pick your team. And so that, that that's part of it too. I guess what you're re, it feels like they're realizing the ultimate the, the ultimately they seem to be like realizing a fact that we can't take our league there. I would suggest maybe getting, you know, three of your squads at the New Year's Six Bowls and being competitive and powerful enough to lure the TV deals into the same big money the Big Ten and SEC have. Something to watch, though. I mean, the one thing is it's not going to be status quo. You know, I told you, the two teams from two big conferences, their conferences could not lose. They have. Is the ACC next? It certainly seems like the anchor conferences, Big Ten and SEC, are fine, and they're just going to add whatever they seem to want to cherry pick from the, you know, best of the rest. So, GFL Friday, you're listening to The Drill. All right, updates from the traffic jungle that Jacksonville has evolved into. I'm being told the Shands Bridge is back open. That's from the text on Design by Lifetime Enclosure, so um, can't hurt. That's for sure. Well, uh, and then there was one. Looking at the brackets for the state high school basketball uh, championships. We'll remind you who uh, emerged from our area to make the Final Four. The uh, North Florida Educational Institute uh, falls in their semi, 71-65. That was a few days ago. Uh, When you go to Class 3A, uh, Providence, a couple of days ago, lost to Windermere Prep, so their season ends at the Final Four level, 55-43. Rebolt, representing 4A, took on the Village's charter, and uh, they dropped that one by four points yesterday, so another great basketball season for Rebolt comes to a close, which leaves us 6A, where Pontevedra riding the J.P. Guggen Hoops Karma has... Beaten Wakaiva of Apopka by a solid 22 points, and they will play for a state title tomorrow night against Palm Beach Dwyer. Sheesh. Let's go, PV. My niece goes to PV. She plays for their uh, uh, softball team. So, yeah, let's go. Let's get her done. We've got one left. Kentucky Jeff got to be excited. He's got two boys that play on that team. I think they both start even. Of course, I may have knocked one of them's confidence back a little <laughs> bit in the Guggen Hoops, but, hey, that's uh, this is not about me. It's about them. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Take this, Dan Hicken. Uh, Hick is off today, off doing the whole high school baseball thing himself. So, I uh, took a look at, yes, it would have been a good day to give him a little bit of jab. I saw yesterday the Braves put their C team on the field against the Mets in spring training. Beat that A6-2. to two. Here, okay, listen, guys. Um, Ain't nobody going to come across today, tomorrow, or the next week that can tell you more, knows more about the Braves than the guy that's talking to you right now, okay? So when I tell you that the lineup of Wall, Grissom Azuna, okay. Pilar, eh, okay. Uh, White, Hudson, Castile, Dunlin, Fuente, Sanchez, Conley. You heard any of these guys? Of course, you haven't. Lugbauer, Sierra, Dean, Milligan, 
Waddle. These are the guys that got at bats yesterday for the Braves. The Mets, uh, leading off and playing center, Tommy Pham. Hitting second and playing second base, Jeff McNeil. Batting third and playing shortstop, Francisco Lindor. The the cleanup hitter, your DH, uh, Peter Alonzo. Uh, Edwin Escobar, Eduardo Escobar, your third baseman. Mark Canna, your starting right fielder. They had their starting lineup out there, and we spanked them. Where's he at? Is he within screaming distance? Of course, it's spring training baseball, and it means nothing, but I still enjoyed that. Not going to lie, when I took a little look at that, now the other side of that, being spring training baseball, is if it hadn't worked out that way, I wouldn't care at all. Funny how that works sometimes. I got a couple of things to turn you on to. I've told you this before. I said this in the 6 o'clock hour, but I'll remind you now here at a little different um, time period. But among the things that I follow on YouTube, YouTube is my preferred social media. There's no... um, back and forth. My boy love that YouTube. There's no communication, man. I get to see all the, like basically YouTube would be if you went on Twitter or the other social media and all the viral things that they put and you miss all the back and forth you're an idiot, no you are, no this person, no Basically, I care. Basically no comments. Yeah, I miss all that. Not, yeah. There are comments but you can choose to look at them. It's not yeah. integral to how the whole thing works, People right? You don't go to YouTube for the comments. Correct. Yeah. They go to right to watch stuff. Anyway, I can follow some of these little, these golf guys. They have these golf groups. There's, I, I, my two favorite are Good Good and Bob Does Sports. Well, they they do cool stuff, right? They they play against against each other, against other people, and matches. And if you're a golfer, it's just kind of a cool recreational watch. But these the boys at Bob does sports. They also will play with celebrities. Like they played a three man scramble against Max Homa, right? Big name in golf. They play one against Keegan Bradley. And yesterday, uh, in their newest video that they dropped, the Bob does sports gang on YouTube plays a round of golf with Christian Kirk. So if you want to get a little inside look at uh, the Jaguar receivers golf game or, you know, uh, just personality probably more than anything, then there's your there's your opportunity. It's cool. It's great watch. It'll probably hook you onto the whole Bob Does Sports brand. And again, there's also, uh, and there are a bunch of them and there are others. And people have said, hey, if you like Bob Does Sports or if you like good, good, you would like this, that, or the other. It's too many for me. I got enough. I'll manage the personalities of these two. I understand that there are another two or three or four that are also really cool and real similar. But it takes a while. It's almost like watching a reality show or a a movie. It takes a while to get to know the personalities and decide if you want to stay on on board with them. um, But I tell you this, not, not not to pump up these platforms for these guys and their channels. If you like them, you do. You don't. If you're a Jag fan, that's a way that you can get a real, you know, behind the scenes look at, at uh, Christian Kirk in uh, more depth than than we've probably seen, at least from a kind of a, a recreational standpoint. You get to like know more like personally about him. It's not just X's and O's. Correct. It's not. It's not that at all. There wasn't a whole lot of football talk. There was some, obviously, because Jags had a great year, and these dudes that go out and play golf and and produce the channel are sports fans, right? right? right. So, um, but if you're a golfer, man, I'm t- watching. I'm, I'm telling you, those those YouTube channels that have those. Golf that do the different challenges and travels and play against, you know, celebrities and otherwise. They're fun, fun watches, you know, for me. Like, they'll do stupid stuff. you got to drink a beer every hole for nine holes and still beat a certain score. Or they'll, you know, they just do stupid, dumb, fun guy golf trip stuff. In essence, that's what, like, all these podcasts out, they're all the same as far as, like, the content. But so what, what makes you different? What sets you apart? So you go golfing and you do what you would normally do. 
you conduct the interview, but you're having fun. Like, yeah, you sh- you shotgun a beer at a, at a hole, you, or you take a shot. Well, That's you're what talk- makes these things different. Yeah, talking like you would if you were just hanging out right. with a dude, but you're going to let everybody else eavesdrop on what you're going to hang out with. So, anyway, if you YouTube search Bob Does Sports, their, their most recent thing. And, again, I send you there, not for their uh, uh, standpoint, but you can see Christian Kirk and get a look at one of uh, the Jaguars' uh, really top players, I guess we would call him. Uh, Clance Campbell was at the Combine uh, lending his – uh, experience to some of the announcing, so it's cool to hear. You can't mistake that voice, right? That big Calais voice. Papa Bear is in the house. I saw Von Miller was there too. You know, Von got hurt this year for the Bills, but he has his eyes on being a GM one day, so he's kind of approaching it from almost like a job fair standpoint. I read somewhere that Darius Williams um, for our Jags, he wants to eventually be a GM. Okay, well. all right. Well, let's get a Super Bowl first, and then put <laughs> that put that on the resume. All right, uh, let's do this. Let's uh, turn our attention toward the fourth and final hour of the program. We'll talk Iceman hockey with Nick Luco, their head coach, give you uh, the latest update on where they're standing in, uh, in their hockey season. As it comes down the stretch, we will see what's trending uh, coming up this hour, probably next segment as well. So uh, we're going to get you through it to it and into the weekend on a GFL Friday on the drill. As they say in hockey, Let's do that hockey. You know, maybe we're just too dumb to know, too hockey dumb to know here in Jacksonville. But I'm sure as Iceman coach Nick Luco joins us right now on the Fair and Farrah phone lines, he does know. Are you past now being shocked? Nick, look, you've been around minor league hockey. Uh, you know, even regardless of where you played or coach, you know how it works. Minor league hockey teams don't open the doors and 12,000 fans come in to watch the game. It just it just doesn't happen a ton. And so I'm, I'm sure you, you it's does it just consistently impress and amaze you that you get to coach in that kind of atmosphere, your players get to play in it? I mean, in all seriousness, does that does that add an element to the game? I mean, these two guys played last week, ET had two games last weekend, 21,000 combined fans on those two nights. Those are, those are massive numbers. Your, your thoughts, Coach? Yeah, I mean, it was unbelievable. It's uh, it's awesome to be a part of. Um, it just goes to show you how much the game of hockey's growing in the Duval area. So, um, you know, for us, the team, they feed off the energy from the crowd. So when you get 12,000 in their pack, uh, place gets loud, place is rocking, and the guys feed off. Well, it's a good time, and your team's playing great, and it's easy to embrace a team that's playing hard and, and, and winning. And, look, we've we've kind of documented the – the path here over the course of the last few months. And you've now, you know, you've surged to the top of the ECHL South. Uh, you're three points ahead of some of the, a very good division, as we know. And you got back-to-backers at home uh, tonight. What what's It seems like, I, you know, I feel like asking the cliche question to what's been the key, but it seems like as we've asked that going along, it's been different things. You need your team to play better defense, they play defense for you. You need to score, they scored. You, you know, it, it seems like you're, you're kind of pushing the right buttons. Yeah, I think uh, it's been huge for, for our team to kind of figure out different ways to win games. You know, like you said, we were winning some games in January 5-4. Now we're winning games, you know, 2-1 with a couple empty netters. So I think when you get to the playoffs, you don't know what's going to happen and you have to be able to adapt uh, depending on what team you're playing against. So for us, if we can just figure out different ways to win. It's only going to help us in the long run. Look, your team and the way the league is set up, you're going to primarily play the teams in your division when you step out, like you host Adirondack these next couple of nights. You probably don't see them a ton over the course of the year. I'm just just curious when you play. Now, you've had five days off this 
before this game. Does this afford you, like, maybe the, the biggest scouting opportunity to even take a look at the other the other team? You know what I'm saying? There's teams you barely play. The personnel's always changing. Does it boil down, Nick, to how your team plays, and that's what you would concentrate more on than, say, maybe once you get to the professional level, there's a lot more stability in the opponent and the, and the competition in your own roster? Yeah, for sure. I think it's uh, a little different every night. Like, you don't know who's getting called up, who's hurt, who's going up and down and all that stuff. So, um, you know, when you play the same team over and over, you kind of understand what their structure is like. But, uh, you know, it's kind of nice to play someone different every once in a while. And we got Adirondack for two this weekend. And after that, it's all against the South Division. So we got to take advantage of these games outside division here where we've had a lot of success this year. And then next week we get back to playing the South and, kind of jockeying for that first seed. Yeah, stretch run. Stretch run is just about upon us, and uh, fans can get out and enjoy the Iceman at home, 7 o'clock. Uh, they'll drop the puck each of the next two nights down at the arena, and they need the arena because maybe they're filling it up with uh, excitable fans. Uh, Coach, we appreciate it. Thanks for your time uh, this Friday. We'll talk to you again next week. Good luck this weekend. All right. Thanks, guys. Talk next week. You betcha. There he goes. Nick Luco, um, the, the coach of the Iceman. It, it, man, there's a there's kind of a cliche in like sports even that hockey is one of those deals that you got to see it in person. Like if you watch it on TV, it doesn't do it justice. I think there's some, I, I think there's some truth to that. Just you know? like NASCAR and baseball for me. Well, there you go. And you, and you, we we have just opened up your sports wings and let you fly, my brother. Yeah, that boy right? flying. You're penciled in here. You're kind of pigeoned into the NFL only with the Jags. And we got, I mean, we got him all over. We got him going to baseball games. He'll be going to a golf tournament next week. I'll add that one. That's another one that is it's so impressive to see it happen in person. Like you, he see those guys on the hit it on TV, and then the camera cuts to the green and plop, it lands next to the hole. Yeah, a little, the same. little bit more. Yeah, a little bit more than that. I, I'm going to repeat for the third time this morning because I understand we have a fluctuating audience as we get you through and into the weekend, but um, make no mistake, there were some eye-popping workout numbers yesterday at the Combine. The D-linemen, the linebackers, and the edge rushers all worked out yesterday, ran their 40s, did their broad jumps, their high jumps, their other things. I'm not going to use those superlative times because we had records set by position and by size by three or four different cats yesterday, including Nolan Smith um, from Georgia, including a, a, a tackle from Pitt, just a, a linebacker from Northwestern. I mean, it just big bodies doing things that big bodies shouldn't be able to do. But rather than, you know, stick primarily to the top 10 times that were registered. I can tell you this of those 40 or so players that were cycled through those different workouts at those different positions. You better bet. There'll be a couple of them at least drafted by the Jaguars this year. We, there were future Jacksonville Jaguars out on those workout fields going through those skills tests that the Jaguars are going to draft because the position I just told you, D-line, edge rush, maybe even linebacker, depending on the style, form, and fit of said linebacker. we got to get better on defense, right? We don't have to hammer that nail, you know, 10 times every day. But got to get better. Got to get better there. E.T., you want to see what's trending? Where are we at today, man? You good on that? Oh. 
Stay ready, you ain't got to get ready, is what my man tells me. Stay I, ready, you ain't got to get yeah, ready. I introduce him to, you know, NASCAR. I guess, you know, stay ready, don't get ready. Now I'm ready to go again. All right, our uh, top five this morning is brought to you by Pet Paradise. It's only natural they would be associated with anything that says top, but they're not top five when it comes to pet services providers. Shoot, they're number one, two, three, four, and five. They are everything you need in one location. I see some of the competitors out there trying to mimic message and do the same it's not the same when you go to pet paradise it's that extra level care and love for your pet each and every time take a tour yourself either go online at pet paradise or go see them from boarding to play dates to all your veterinary services under one exquisite roof with new day veterinary care as well petparadise.com number five a nine-year-old's fan uh, a nine-year-old fan whose bucket list poster led to her meeting tiger woods and she's reportedly getting invited to the Masters. I saw that. That's a great story. It just keeps on. You know, this happens sometimes, doesn't it? Where there's this first initial story, and it's cool, and then people respond and take it even uh, further, and that seems like what's what's happening here. That's the you know the power of social media, really, and that's one of the the, the good things of social media. Social media, I'll tell you, social media can be the devil, but when used correctly, sure, and in the right way, it can be a beautiful thing. It, it can bring awareness to so many I, I, beautiful I think it's things. To know your, just to read your personality type. Listen, some people like to get this, that, and the other, and get involved in controversy and scream their opinions and fight and squabble about it. Whatever you do, you. That's I don't that ain't that's not a good one for me. I'm fine just where I am. Thank you. I've said it before. I have a four-hour Twitter feed. I'm posted nonstop from <laughs> 6 a.m. to 10. There he goes again. Trust me. Some of you respond as such. Don't worry. Dan and I got you all day on there Twitter. There you go. Y'all do it. I don't give, I don't give a rat's <laughs> rear end what they're doing, saying, talking about. Y- y'all, let me have it. Good. Guess who ain't going to see it? Oh, man. That's great. Your man Number here. four. Um, this was on my list. I'm not sure if I said this yesterday. So, Dame Lillard, when he dropped 71 points on February 26th, Adidas dropped his the shoe his shoe price to $71. So, you can go to Adidas.com. So, in honor of him scoring 71 points, you can go to Adidas.com and get you all of Dame Lillard's shoes for $71. But what they also did is they're making a $71,000 donation like to a charity of his choosing to further the impact he has on his community. It's pretty cool that Adidas is willing to do that. Um, yeah, for sure. And by the way, uh, the Portland is in Atlanta tonight. So, and I bring that up because of Dame. I know somebody personally who texted me that they, they've always wanted to see Dame Lillard play. They're driving up from Jacksonville to watch Dame Lillard and, and Portland uh, play the Hawks tonight. And again, I will say this, too, about Dame. If he's hurt, he's hurt, and he's out, and you know it. He's very rarely the guy you show up, and suddenly he's load managing. Right. He's he, he he's not that guy. Yeah. Now, he's been hurt before, and he's had to sit out long-term with, you know, legitimate injuries, but it's not like, yeah. Number three. Oh, social media. And this is – it's weird. It's, it's, it's sad that they have to even do this, but TikTok will automatically limit screen time for kids and teens and limit them to one hour a day. Well, obviously, you have to register as such, right? The parents, I would assume, are doing that, not TikTok. Right. So, well, TikTok has enough influence. I think maybe parents should put in the filter or the 
the the the roadblock, whatever the firewall to only allow that. I mean, it's not, or I guess TikTok. By the way, who are we kidding? TikTok's looking right through that camera lens and watching your kids and Absolutely. listening to them anyway. So it doesn't matter what you say. They'll know who's on they it. They'll know who it yeah, is, Yeah, because TikTok man. is spying on you, and they're documenting any and everything around you. And I'll give you another one, too, from right here within our own borders. Tell me this isn't happening to you. Tell me you're not riding along with your iPhone talking about kayaks, and then 10 minutes later, you're getting kayaks, some sort of— You get a kayak ribbon— don't be foolish out there, <laughs> right. gang. Turn off any setting that will allow them to flat out spy on you. Nothing happens. Do our blowhard goobers in Washington do anything to protect us? Do they? Yeah, a rousing hell no. It's where am I getting my cash, my back scratch right. today? Who, so- am I, who am I throwing away anything that I'm representing to get a little cash from today? Those jokers in Washington are heinous, bro. These phones definitely are watching, and they're definitely listening. I can't tell you how many no. times I said something and, random. And exactly. Then I go to my social media and it's guess the cool. first thing that pops up. Not cool, man. <laughs> That's why, man, you wouldn't catch me dead with an Alexa or Siri, <laughs> any of those those little bizzles in my house. <laughs> like, keep your butt in the box and outside the walls. And the craziest thing, I have all of it. Alexa's yeah, at my house. Why do you do that? You don't need that here. How hard is it? Look at your phone. Because you can't get away from it anyways. They're going to get it. Yeah, get it out of the UH, spot. <laughs> I do. I don't know. if I, I said iPhone in particular, and I'm not an iPhone user. We've had that little back and forth. But uh-huh. my family, is. It's not. that's not happened to me on my Android. But again, I vaguely remember, like, there's a way you can turn, make sure that doesn't happen, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Back to the initial sure. point. You you people on your TikTok and just handing all your intel over to China. <laughs> anything for a, a laugh, I guess. Yeah. I don't. I mean, we just, there's no, there's no, like reality of big picture situations anything to go viral yeah. number two uh wheel of fortune is back in the news wheel of fortune contestant completely botched bagel and locks puzzle okay what were what was what was like what letters were there what was left uh, how did she do it do we know yeah it was uh i want to say it was just the g left in bagels and and, and lo and so lo was on the board for locks and she said lot but I have I've never heard the phrase bagels in lot or locks. Well, then and, and that see that's fair. Yeah. You're I'm guessing, I don't want to stereotype or I'm guessing you're not Jewish. <laughs> Good guess. Isn't that right? Bagels and locks is, you know, I mean, <laughs> 90% of the locks eaten in this country, I would assume is eaten uh, by the uh, by the Jewish. I would think that's what I I didn't know what it was till I went to a bagel joint in Florida in Gainesville. Uh, when I was in school, Lox is a, and I'll mess it up. <sighs> Hook me up, text line. What is Lox? Lox, it's a, it's a spread that you put on a bagel. This is where I'm going to screw it up. I, I think, does it not have some sort of fit? Makes it like cream cheese and fish, maybe? Or uh, like, yeah, it's something more um, traditional. You know, I got to look it up now. So, yeah, the G was list- missing in bagels, and the X was missing in Lox. Lox is smoked salmon. It's uh yes, it's a full, it's it's brined salmon, and then it's served on a bagel with the cream cheese. So I was kind of half right. It's not cream cheese with the with the meat in it, but it's uh it's it's pretty good by the way. Yeah, if you like it, I mean if you like that thing. The category obviously was food and drink, and what was there was warm toasted bagels with lox and cream cheese. That's what the the correct the correct answer was. Oh, the whole uh-huh. big long thing. Yeah, I guess if you've never heard of locks, that could happen. Never heard of it. Number one. 
Hole number one. Now, as y'all know, I'm not really a movie person. I don't really sit down and watch movies or TV for that matter, unless it's like something that really intrigues me or sports. But there is a movie that I'm actually going to go to the movies this weekend and see. All right. Creed Creed. 3. Okay. I'm excited. I've been watching the trailer since like November, Jeff. Like, it really has my attention because you don't really have to see the first two because this one has like its own storyline within the storyline. I I've, I saw the first one. I don't remember a thing about it. My plan is, even though I do, you don't have to, my plan is to to knock out Creed 1 and 2 on demand and then go see, I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and <laughs> promise you I'm going to go see Creed this weekend, but it would not be a shot. Here's what I'm running into. They've downsized these theaters and made them nicer. It's harder to get a ticket. Go online. Like, sit man. where you want to sit. Every time I go online, I'm stuck in some... Yeah, you got to redi- pick your seat now. Yeah, you uh-huh. can't get them. I mean, if you go right now, go. I'm telling you, go to my theater or online. I don't even know whichever one. Cinemark, I think it is. Uh-huh. And try and get c- tickets to Creed tonight or oh, tomorrow. Oh, you're not seeing it tonight. Tell me what's available. You're not seeing that tonight. It kept me away from Top Gun. I ultimately waited. I didn't see Top Gun until like a month ago. <laughs> I just waited around until it came out on demand for free. I... I Man, I'm not going to the theater and sitting in row one, man. That is not ain't comfy. Nothing, ain't nothing. Yeah. That was trending? All right, we're good. Uh, from the Texan designed by Lifetime Enclosure, any update on the Puerto Rico Open? Did you totally mush our man? Um, the hey. answer, the short answer, yeah, total mush, T119. Let's go to break. All right, I'm going to come back on the other side. I'm going to introduce you to a basketball player you most likely have never heard of. And I'm going to compare him to a basketball player that we should have heard of, of and about a whole lot more than we did. I think I've identified the, mo- the the biggest case in my life of greatness not being recognized, at least not to the point that it should, either at the time or now looking back historically. I'll tie those two things together with a very interesting basketball um, comparison that stretches from as recently as last night all the way back to the 70s. This is The Drill on a GFL Friday. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Better late than never, ladies and gentlemen. We're oh, gonna, yeah. We're going to get out and into our weekend here pretty soon here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Oh, in yeah. honor of my cohort, with emotion, please. Everybody in y'all cars, let's hear it. Hey. Hey. There she is, Friday. Oh, she's ready to go. She Ooh. knows there's a high tip coming our way today. She looking good over there, you know, too. She's got some Daisy Duke string bikini. She got that thing on that I like. Ooh. She got one of those cow. She got one of those cowboy hats that look like they're 40 years old, but she bought it yesterday. Uh, vintage is yeah. what they call it. All right. <laughs> Friday's ready to go. Her sister Saturday is also gorgeous. Sunday Ooh, is classy. Fine. Monday <laughs> fell off the turnip truck. <laughs> yeah. Monday's not pretty. Friday, though. Friday's a little naughty, too, right? Nasty. Saturday will go. Sunday's classy. Yeah, classy. Friday, Friday's not afraid to be herself. <laughs> I like it. Be yeah. yourself. Be yourself, girl. <laughs> we all need to be ourselves. <laughs> all right. I, you know, after spending all year, you ready for me to do this to you? Yeah. I'm changing face. After spending all year telling you good luck on your filling out your bracket for March Madness. There are no favorites. I find myself, like, settling in on, like, one or two teams that will be in my Final Four. I don't care what they do in their conference tournaments. I don't care where they're seated. I don't really um, 
I don't care what their road would be, their path, how tough their bracket is. Two teams that I will be marking into my Final Four. Uh, this is before it's even announced. Next week is Selection Sunday. Kansas and UCLA. Kansas and UCLA are really good. They've been to Final Fours in the last few years, and now the things have really settled and sorted. If you look at bracketology, I mean, I'm as um, interested in knowing who those top seeds are going to be as I am knowing who's last in and last out. I'm sorry. I'm not going to go to war whether it's Penn State or Arizona State who makes the field. And at the end of the day, for all the attention we give it, when we do the last four in, first four out, buys, you know, at the end of the day, if it's last four in, they're not winning anyway. You're not. It's a fact. Last four in are the seeds that exist that have never won a title. What did we say it was the lowest? Eight seed, wasn't it? Villanova. Said earlier this week, we looked. I think an eight seed is the lowest, maybe a nine that has ever won the tournament. So if you're last four in, buddy, you got to go last 20 in, and they're still not winning the title. But not that you don't want them in, and it's fun, and it's big for your team. I get it. Not minimize it. I mean, I'd love to see Florida go on an unbelievable run, win the SEC, and go to the tournament. Who wouldn't? Got Alabama's the top overall seed. Alabama's very good. I suggested yesterday I could see them ultimately playing the villain role, and perhaps I should also say Alabama would be in that Kansas-UCLA category for me. Problem with UCLA is that Arizona is like is them. And could it be either one of them? I don't know which one. I feel like one of them is really good. I'm not a big believer in those Big Ten teams. Purdue, Indiana, and otherwise could certainly be wrong. But the last weekend here of regular season play, and uh, we're going to do some settling. I tend to look at the big brand names when it comes to bubble watch. So North Carolina is still on the outside looking in, according uh, to Joe Lenardi, and uh, we'll see. Do you know who Antoine Davis is, E.T.? Have you ever heard of him? Uh, no. Yeah, I didn't think so. That's nothing to be uh, ashamed of. Uh, Antoine Davis played what might be his final game of his college career last night. It's more than notable. Because when Antoine Davis launched a three-pointer at the buzzer yesterday, it wasn't just to tie Youngstown State in their key Horizon League tournament quarterfinal. It was also to tie Pete Maravich all-time in career scoring. I do. I have heard of him. I am going to take uh, the road less traveled when it comes to this story this morning. I'm not going to make it about Antoine Davis. And it's a terrific story. He didn't get a lot of play. Perhaps you were aware of it. These last 50 or 60 or 70 points, he was within a shouting distance. They had a big win in their first round to even see if if he would have a chance. Last night, he needed 26 points. He averaged 28. Uh, he averages 28. He finished with 22. He wanted to beat Maravich's record. He wanted to lead his team into the NCAA tournament. And now, unless... And by the way, if I'm the CBI net tournament, you're darn right I'm inviting this sub-500 Detroit Mercy, and let him set the record. Why not? The record, though, this is where I come in with just a dose of history. So this is the guy you may not have heard of that came within just a couple of points of setting NCAA basketball's all-time leading scoring mark. How timely ironic would it be that we had that mark set in the same year in both NBA and college? That would have been a cool little history factoid. But let's get to the reality here. This athlete is the least recognized greatness of my lifetime. And I I don't say that lightly. There have been a lot of overlooked. Obviously, there's greatness here. You can't say 
I'm talking about the greatness of this guy should be much more talked about, remembered, and appreciated than it actually is. Instead, I think he's kind of looked at more as a sideshow act because of the flair and flamboyance he played with even at a time. So the record that would have been tied or broken is held by Pete Maravich. Pistol Pete. What do you know about Pete Maravich? E much? Yeah. Just the name? He was a scorer. He was nifty. And every time I see, like whenever I hear the name, I think of his passing. He had like, he was like a smaller Magic Johnson type passer. He he was, remember Jason Williams came out of Florida, White Chocolate? Yep, he yep. played a lot like him. That, yeah, that's what I think. 40 years ahead of time. What, 44 uh, maybe? P- Pete. Uh, uh, what number was he? Was he 44? 44 in the pros. I believe it. Uh, uh, I think he was 44. Yeah, yeah. I think he was. He's, you know, by the end of his career, he may have worn some different jersey numbers, but I think at, he was 44 at, uh, at, at, at LSU. But here is why, if the record should not have been set and it should stay right where it is, okay? Pete Maravich set the all-time scoring record in three years. They weren't allowed to play as freshmen. He... Averaged in it. What do you think Pete Maravich averaged in his college career? Average per game. I will also say this. Pete Maravich was an excellent shooter who played in a time. I feel the same bitterness. There was no three-point line. Wow. So, Pete Maravich probably would average another four or five points a game if they're just kind of three points for those jumpers he was shooting for two. But his game was so much more than that. What do you think he averaged per game at LSU? I'll say... I'll say he probably averaged about 35. 44.2 <laughs> points per game average. Now, think of this. When you average 44, you know what that means? You're scoring way when more you than scored, 44. For every night you score 28, you're getting 60. Pete Maravich is the all-time leading scorer. He remains there, 44.2. All before the shot clock, the three-point line, teams could – Hold the ball, take the air out of it. There was an ugly era of basketball. Dean Smith was known for playing the four corners, E.T. I'm familiar. And that's now gotten eliminated by the shot clock, but they'd have games where they would just pass the ball around for 20 minutes and take a shot. It's gross. It's, it's, it's not what the game should be. Now, Pete Maravich is great. He's in the Basketball Hall of Fame, but he's not as good as people realize. And without the injuries, he would have been an NBA superstar along the lines of these other guys, Oscar Robertson and whatnot, that we talk about all time. He did it with no three-point line. He did it with no shot clock. And he did it unable to play varsity as a freshman as the rules in the NCAA then called for. He went on to play in the NBA. Had a 10-year career. Um, fought, again, speaking to greatness unrecognized. How many times do you think Pete Maravich was all-NBA first? He was all-NBA first team twice. He was a five-time NBA All-Star. He wore a scoring. He won a scoring title in the NBA. He's on the NBA 50th and 75th All Anniversary teams. You do not. You think of Pete Maravich. I believe. I maybe it's wrong. as more of a circus sideshow, just a scorer, one man. You know, entertainment rather than as good a basketball player as he was. The two-time National College Player of the Year, three-time consensus first-team All-American in college. Three times the SEC Player of the Year. Three times leading NCAA in scoring. Again, these three mean something. He only played three. So my man Pete Maravich played three seasons of college basketball. He was twice National Player of the Year. He was three times first-team All-American. He was three times SEC Player of the Year. He was three times scoring leader. He wore number 23 at LSU. That's been retired. He did wear number 44 
uh, for the Hawks, and then he finished his career um, you know, somewhat injury-prone with New Orleans and Boston. But I just I, what I thought of as I watched this kid shoot for an all-time record last night, what I thought more was of the, the – Perhaps we'll get some more recognition for the guy whose record he was trying to reach. And it should come with a if if one dude does it in three years, the guy who by rule, not because he left early or because he was injured, but by rule they only let you play three, it almost should stand alone. Anybody who's going to approach that scoring record maybe should be in just a three year career. Forty four points a game, man. No three pointers. No three-pointers. I mean, he just... He, he, six foot five. I mean, he's got just a ton of longtime collegiate scoring. And again, Antoine Davis put his name up in that uh, category, that that echelon uh, yesterday, and uh, showed up just uh, a little bit light. All right, we're tracking for you today, and I know Jaguars today continues and, and more combine thoughts and narratives as, as we move along. But the quarterback's... Go under the spotlight today. I believe DBs as well. Uh, the DBs again, something to watch. As I told you, these these linebackers, linemen, and 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 edge rushers who were running around up there yesterday, a couple of them will be Jaguars. That's the position of need. I don't know which ones. I don't know if yesterday's gaudy numbers will affect it, but they'll be picking those guys. Quarterback, whew, thankfully, no. But DBs is another one uh, that the Jags will certainly take a keener interest in as those guys take it. But really, I mean, as far as just kind of general curiosity, it's how big is Bryce Young? Out or small, as the case may be. Introduce you to Jaguars today and more. It's a GFL Friday here on 1010XL. Thanks for being with us on 92.5 FM. The Drill on 1010XL. From the studios of Republic Services, we'll handle it from here. The home of Jacksonville University Sports. It's JU Dolphins men's lacrosse versus High Point. Saturday night at 6 on 1010 AM. Hi, this is Dale Murray with Murray Automotive Group in Stark and Kingsland. Save yourself from those big city dealers and their fast-talking mumbo-jumbo. No matter what your automotive need is, we've got you covered. Ford, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and nobody beats our prices. I mean nobody. Shazam! Plus our exclusive 15-year, 150,000-mile warranty included on every qualified vehicle. And we'll trade anything from high heels to wagon wheels. Compare our prices online at ShazamAuto.com. Then come see me, Dale Murray. I'll be waiting for you. Shazam! Daytona Supercross is more than the race that defines careers and the sound of revving engines echoing in your ears. It's more than the brutal competition on the gnarliest course that I've designed to date. It's your heart thumping from being closer to the action than you've ever been before. The atmosphere, under the lights. I'm Ricky Carmichael, and this is Daytona Supercross. Do you feel it? You will. Saturday, March 4th at the World Center of Racing. Get tickets and tracks on access at DaytonaInternationalSpeedway.com. Hey, uh, got a new family member? New puppy? New year. If you have a new family member, let the family at Pet Paradise become their home away from home. They've got everything you need uh, for for your pet. Every angle, every aspect. And you can have the security of knowing it's like dropping them off at, you know, a relative's. That's real, man. That feeling is real. So if you do have that new family member this year, Put your puppy on a journey to good health with the Pet Paradise New Day Veterinary Care. Comprehensive wellness plans, bundled pet care services, cutting-edge technology, modern facilities, 
teams that love your pet, experienced veterinary care teams, all in a resort-style environment. Find out more about that at NewDayVetCare.com. Meanwhile, there's so much more at every pet paradise. Wacky Camp Days are back. Find out what a fun day of day camp is all about for just $32. That's Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays through the month of February. Go to PetParadise.com, the official pet services provider for the Jaguars. This is Dr. Kevin Murphy. Thanks to the coaches and the schools who believe in our team at Southeast Orthopedic Specialists. This is Head Coach Ferland Dormery of Trinity Christian Academy High School. Our athletic program selected Southeast Orthopedic Specialists to work with our state championship football team and will continue to use them. We recommend Southeast Orthopedic Specialists. Relieve pain and get back to life. Southeast Orthopedic Specialists. Let's fire up the flavor and ignite those appetites. Let's slow down and smell the barbecue. Because all your favorites are smoked for hours and ready for eating when you are. From our famous ribs to slow-smoked pork. Enjoy some perfection by the plateful, safely in our dining room or in the comfort of your home. With curbside pickup, drive through and delivery. Sonny's Barbecue, local pitmasters since 68. This state in sports history is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialists. On March 3, 1983, Pittsburgh Steeler quarterback Terry Bradshaw is admitted to the hospital for surgery to repair his throwing arm under the alias Tom Brady. When you roll into a convenience store for some cold Bud Light, you want to make sure it's, well, cold. Check out the big coolers at Circle K. They make sure it's chilled and ready to go for the big game or party. Swing by Circle K and pick up some cold Bud Light. This is Hayes Carline for the Law Office of Stephen Doty. If you were overwhelmed with credit card debt, stifling medical bills, or need relief from your mortgage, Stephen can assist you at 416-8328. Stephen Doty is also skilled at modifying timesharing or child support and can help you if you're going through a divorce for the first time. He is the champion you need. Whether it's family law or financial assistance, Stephen can help you. Call the law office of Stephen Doty today at 416-8328. Hey, Jacksonville. This is Crystal Dial Wilson with Remedy Staffing. If your business is struggling to find employees, you likely know you're not alone. The unprecedented effect of COVID-19 on businesses has left everyone scrambling to find good people. We're proud to say we have helped fill thousands of positions throughout Jacksonville during the pandemic. We're dedicated to bringing... American Led Zeppelin, selling out shows and leaving audiences feeling like they just experienced an actual Led Zeppelin performance. And they're back at the Florida Theater. Get the lead out. Saturday, March 11th. Get your tickets now at floridatheater.com. Get the lead out. David here with Royal Pest Services. That grass is waking up from its winter nap. Royal is close to applying products that help bring it out of that dormancy. Our granular aeration allows treatment to get to the root system. Visit royalpestservices.com to schedule a free estimate. It's grow time! Are you looking for increased privacy and protection for your family and pets? Look no further than Superior Fence and Rail. Superior Fence and Rail is Jacksonville's top-rated fence company, delivering the highest quality fence products. They'll treat your property as if it's their own. So get off the fence and get your privacy back. Call Superior Fence and Rail today for your on-site estimates. When you're on the fence, about a fence, Superior Fence and Rail. 
This 1010XL 92.5 FM hour is powered by Anajar and Levine Accident Attorneys. Call 1-800-747-FREE. That's 1-800-747-3733. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. All right, it is uh, time to introduce you to the esteemed uh, class of Jaguars today, headed up by uh, Tony Smith, who will be joined by our buddy Tom McManus and others. Is is there one thing about the combine that grabs your attention I- any more than me? I, you know, I've kind of said from the beginning, I'm more interested in any, like, news blurbs that may come out, and some of yeah. that would include Evan Ingram's franchise tag that seems to be upcoming. I, it's it's amazing how fast these big guys are moving and how high people can jump, but I just found through the years it's more supplemental than it is, <laughs> right, demonstrative as well, to what a is, guy's going to be. It is crazy. Like yesterday you're watching these defensive interior linemen run, right, and a bunch of them are running sub-540s, and it's crazy. Like, good golly, right? Like yeah. the amount of size and speed that's on an NFL field, and they're not – they're just running – Right, that's not they're not doing what they do on an NFL Sunday, but it gives you an idea of, you know, what it takes to be an offensive lineman in the league. That you got four or five of those guys banging against you, you know, eighty times a game. Right, that's your job is to handle that kind of inertia every time. So it is the it's remarkable, but how useful the athleticism on display is remarkable, and I do think I watch it more for whatever the conversation is about the players. Correct. Right? It's yeah. less about seeing what their workout is. You know, you'll occasionally see a workout and even in the building they're going, whoa, yeah. right, with somebody doing something. But generally it's just this is, you're getting an idea of what the conversation is about these players at this point. Yeah. And listening to Jeremiah and some of those guys talk about it, it gives you some better idea about how the league is viewing some of these guys. And really that's what we get every year at the combine. You know, we think it's a better idea. Of, and in terms of the draft and watching the combine, we're so used to wondering how the top guys are going to do. Well, when you're the Jag and you're picking 24th and sure. 55th or whatever they're picking, 50th, whatever they're picking, then there, there are guys that, that aren't being, you know, screamed at you yesterday. The one thing I did say that whether you realize it or not, a couple of those guys that were out working out yesterday on the NFL Network are going to be Jaguars in, in April. Sure. I, it's a, it's a position of need, and this is where you get them. The needy finds their hopes at the combine. No that, doubt. And sure. uh, his car line had Nolan Smith as his guy when we asked him. And about then he it went yesterday, crazy yesterday. And then he went crazy yesterday. Yeah. So, but see, Nolan Smith's a good example guy, where yeah. uh, Nolan Smith's a good example where you're accentuating what already people thought you were a good player. Mm-hmm. Like the argument we had against Trayvon, and I, I don't. Well, I do mean to bring it back to him because we picked him number one. But, you know, that was a glaring omission that he had never even been an all-SEC level player. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. That's kind of strange, whereas yeah. no one's No been one been has been picked number one that didn't have those kind of accolades yeah. attached to it. Right. right, that's not to be all-in-all, but you better be right, right when you're outsmart in the room right. like that. Yeah, and through year one, and I, I think you probably feel the same way. I don't think Trayvon Walker underperformed what I expected him to do in his rookie year, right? But it tells you how low my bar was for Trayvon Walker going into his rookie year, that that's the kind of year he had. And it's like, yeah, he met what my expectation yeah. level was. He's got to way surpass that going into year two. He's physically, like, he's athletically capable, right? Yeah. He's oh, a freak. Sure. He's an absolute freak, but it's it's got to show up now for I, well, a team that I, needs pass rush as badly as they yeah, do. Yeah, I, I mean, again, and that's my biggest argument, and I don't need to tell Trent Balky and those guys how to find football players, but if you draft a guy number one, you you messed up 
unless it's Aaron Donald. Well, no, because he gets sacks. You mess up if you're not getting sacks out of the position. Yeah. That's for sure. Sauntering into the studio, it's Tommy <laughs> Mack. What do you guys got going on today? Well, we'll talk with Tommy Mack about all the news going through this week. We'll react to not a surprise, but Evan Ingram sounds like he's going to get the franchise tag. At least that's the news that started bubbling around the NFL circles yesterday. So we'll react to that as well. And the question of the day today asking, what length of contract do you expect Evan Ingram to play under for the Jaguars in 2023. One year on the franchise tag, a two-year deal, three-year deal, or a four-plus-year deal ultimately for Evan Ingram. I, you know, I, I think you can make an argument from the Jaguar standpoint, any of those options. You can make an argument. They could convince you that they want him four. You, they could convince you that we will need to see it for one more year with the franchise tag. I think, and Tommy can speak to this. I'm curious. Listen, this was team hugs and love by the end of the year. Uh, the vibe there, everybody's family, everybody loves yeah. everybody for everybody. You know, when you start getting the business infused into that personnel, into the personal part of the personnel, well, the vibe can change a little bit. Yeah. So, And it's easy for everyone to feel like family when you're winning the sure. way they were winning. Well, you feel like family when you're glad they gave you a chance right. and you're doing great so that you get a big contract and then suddenly you don't feel like family when dad only gives you an $11 million allowance <laughs> rather than the 30 that it could be, right? All right, uh, Jaguars today with Tommy Mack sitting in ably. Coming up next, it's been a GFL Friday. Y'all have a great weekend, and we'll see you on Monday. Bye, Felicia.